doing this? They said when you got here, the whole thing started. I think you're the cause of all this. I think you're evil. Eva! They're coming to get you, Barbara. Monsters, John. Monsters from the it. I'll blow you through. I'll blow you through. I'll blow you through. Swallow this. The power of Christ compels you. The power of Christ compels you. Have you ever heard of Candyman? You the cemetery, but you left the body. She rubs the lotion on its skin or else gets the hose again. You don't know what death is. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. Messenger of God. You can here. God is dead! Satan lives! It's alive, It's alive, It's alive, It's alive! Animals are contagious. What? What? Stop! You know I'm dead. You're not afraid of the dark, are you? Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. It is time to keep your appointment with the Wicca Man. Mr. Vice President, Mr. Secretary, the missiles are flying. Oh, yeah. You see me in hell, Mr. Thorne? There is a shower of sentence. I can't lie to you about your choices, but you have my sympathy. It's still a procedure. It's called making a head of a mistake. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. <laughs> there is no one watching after us, Meryl. We are all on our own. There is no more room in hell than dead who walk here. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Stop me in the middle! Shut the doors, my God! You gotta tell them! Set it free, these people! You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limits. Once again, to Dark Discussions, your place for the discussion of horror, film, fiction, and all that's fantastic. I'm one of your co-hosts, Phil, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A., and with me in the state of Michigan. This is Eric. Eric, how's it going, my friend? I'm well. Excellent. And in the state of New York? Hi, this is Mike. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm fine, Phil. How are you? Doing all right. And in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Commonwealth of Virginia. (laughs) Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Good. Indeed. I, I didn't mean to make that mistake, but Massachusetts, Virginia, I don't know which which is worse, but oh better. Well, if you meant to do it, it wouldn't be a mistake. Indeed, indeed. Well well speaking <laughs> speaking of somewhere that sucks, Canada, uh MJ MJ Preston uh a second week in a row that he wanted to join us, but he couldn't make it. So uh, hopefully he'll make it uh Come on, Mr. Preston. Better. Well, what do you expect from them Canadians? Anyway, uh, that's the reason why... My Their internet is run by moose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my between the moose. My, my paternal family. Even the moose are trying to run out of that country. Too. They run over the, the, the border all the time into New Hampshire. I mean, yes, Jesus, it's terrible. Anyway. Um, God, I watched... Um, I went to uh, the 
National Honor Society induction ceremony last night, and they one of the teachers was invited to speak, and uh, he is well known for his sense of humor. And when he got up to speak, he said he's in favor of building a wall up north to keep out the Canadians because it's not fair to our students in college trying to keep up with the Canadians and all their A's. <laughs> oh, I, I, you know, I, I, I like that. I like that idea about the, the wall there. That's for sure. Oh. I think Canadians like the idea of a wall to keep us out, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We we we. we yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest, you know, before the COVID, I was going to Canada every year because uh, I, I live not too far from the border, and uh, the Quebecers are pretty good. They're, they're my people. I'm half, I'm half Quebecer. So yeah. right. just just remember, right. blame Canada. I'll tell you one thing though: those Quebecers, dude, they fucking hate uh, the Protestants. They hate them. They 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 would disown you if you married a Protestant up there. They they they. I'm, one of them. By the told, way, Phil, we can tell you're half Canadian. There you, go, there you go. Anyway, we're here to talk about a movie tonight. Right, right. But the best line was was the the Canadian the Quebec kid I was talking to. He goes, "My mother and father preferred that I would marry an Irishman before I would marry a Scotsman." And I was like, "Holy shit!" She was she's they they don't listen to her in movie tonight. Hell, yeah. Sorry. Let's let's get back into. Uh, uh, it's all MJ's Preston's fault. If he had showed up and not bailed on us, we wouldn't be even talking about any of this rubbish. Anyway, so uh, here we go. So tonight is uh, May 4th, 2023, because uh, some of our listeners always are curious when we record because they don't necessarily come out immediately after, though this one uh, probably will come out pretty quick. Uh, this one is, uh, uh, I should say, the date stamp is for Pam, one of our listeners. Uh, now. Um, what other things do we have here? Well, uh, what are we? Who are we and what do we do? Well, we are the Dark Discussions Podcast, which is part of the Dark Discussions News Network, which is www.darkdiscussions.com. We have an email at darkdiscussions at AOL.com, and we will read your emails on the podcast. Uh, we do have a Contact Us link on every menu on uh, every page of the website that will open up an uh, email box as well. Uh, though I, I believe there's some technical difficulties with it. If you do, some of the people it's working for, some it's not. I'm looking to add a, a new um, uh, box, email box in there. But uh, if it doesn't work for you, just do the dark discussions at ol.com and we will read your emails on the podcast. Uh, so anybody who uh, wants to comment, give their uh, regards. Um, uh, suggestions, uh, a review of a film or a book or a video game that they've just, uh, or anime or anything that's uh, horror or genre related, uh, we'll read it on the episode because uh, other listeners are always curious about genre things because that's what we do here. We talk about horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, outhouse, midnight movies, cult films, and the like. So basically we try to talk intelligently about a genre that deserves intelligence. Uh, now, uh, Eric, what else can people find on www.darkdiscussions.com? They can find a link to our Patreon. Patreon is a service that allows you to financially contribute to your online artists like us. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash darkdiscussions or click on the Patreon badge on any page of darkdiscussions.com. Uh, we do have to pay for things like uh, web domains and hosting and computer equipment and rentals and all that kind of stuff. So if you'd like to offset the cost of producing this show, that's how you can help us out. Uh, any and all contributions are greatly appreciated. Indeed. And speaking of that, uh, Barrett, uh, 
something to do with Patreon tonight. What's that all about? Something to do with Patreon. We all are right, doing. Bye. All right, I'll go to Mike if you're, if you're gonna, if you're gonna blow, screw it up. But go ahead, Barry. We'll give you a second chance. <laughs> you just—I didn't expect this. Uh, yes, we are doing it's a Patreon rehearsal as well. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a Patreon link where you can go and you can send us money because it is not free to run this, although it is free we're to listen. Repeating to. everything I just said, he was trying to get you to make the connection between Patreon and tonight's movie. Okay. <laughs> we're watching. We may have to go back to Mike. I, sh- I, I go back to Mike. I just Mike. fucked it all up, and now I'm yeah, totally tonight we're reviewing up. the Patreon Stalker, which is a movie about a man who donates to Patreon only to elicit a stalker who's out for revenge because he didn't know it, donate enough. <laughs> uh, but on a serious note, Mike, Mike, well, what's going on tonight? Well, uh, uh, yeah, Mike, so yeah. Eric, Eric, I'm pretty sure, uh, even though I tuned him out because he says it every week and, and you can hear the loathing in his voice every time he says he has says it. Um, is, <laughs> uh, um, is a Patreon pick. It was, uh, something picked, I, I'm hoping within the last year. Uh, and that is, uh, night was it? 99. That came out? 2000. 2000. Uh, I, I think uh, classic uh, Sexy Beast. Which, of course, is a, a biopic about my life. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's listen to the trailer. One Man's Castle. One man's woman. One man's heaven is another man's reason to raise hell. Meet Don Logan. Cigarette. What? This? No, I'm not going to put it out. Are you definitely retired? Yeah, I'm retired. Why? You're needed in London this Friday. It's a bit sudden, isn't it? It's not sudden. Preparation, preparation, preparation. Just say my name for me. No. When I think of all the birds you could have had, and you had to pick a dirty Dee Dee. I love her with all my heart. If you're the problem, you doctor white onking jam rag, arkin spunk bubba. Your middle name ungrateful or what? And you got nothing to say. You just stand there like Porky Pig, hiding behind your wife's skirt, your ex porn star's wife's skirt. I'm happy here. Who lets you be happy? What should I? Do what Don wants. Who's behind this teddy best? Mr. Black Magic himself. Go hurt you. Do what Don says. Are you saying no? No, what are you saying? I'm just going to have to turn this opportunity down. No, you're just going to have to turn this opportunity, yes. Because Don, do the job. No, Don, yes. No, doesn't. I can't. You can't. I can't. You can't do. Do it. And I said no. No. Yes, 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 yes. I know you love me because I feel strong. Ray Winston, Ben Kingsley, Ian McShane, Sexy Beast. Fuck off, I'm beautiful. 
There's a bit of a beast in everyone. That's right, sexy beast. Uh, I didn't hear anything, Phil. Uh, oh, you put that in in post. Sorry, 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 sorry. That's all right. That's right. Anyway, uh, Sexy Beast is a 2000 British crime film, it says here, uh, directed by the great Jonathan Glazer, who makes a lot of controversial films. This is actually his, probably his most uh, mainstream film, um, but he's an awesome director. Uh, he also, um, if we, we look at the IMDb, uh, did uh, numerous things with it, but but the film was uh, written based uh, off of a script by Louis Mellis and David Skinto, uh, produced by Jeremy Thomas, and has an all-star cast, uh, specifically of, of um, uh, I guess, uh, English folk or Scottish folk. There's actually a, a UK folk. I'll just say UK because I don't want to uh, miss miss. Uh, our so, so see, Eric, he was he was on topic. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the cast includes uh, Ray Winstone, uh, for, who uh, American audiences may know from The Departed. Uh, then uh, Ben Kingsley, Ian McShane, the great Ian McShane. So if Elizabeth uh, Gray is listening, uh, me and her have a, a fan club of me, Ian McShane, me specifically because of this film. Uh, Amanda Redman, Kevin Kendall, um, Julian White. Uh, Alvaro Monje and James Fox, um, Kelvin Kendall, uh, rest in peace. Um, because he died literally like a year after this film, uh, unfortunately, cancer. Um, and then, uh, he played, uh, H. Uh, and the film, uh, was a budget of 4.3 million, gross 10.2 million, uh, has rave reviews by critics, and believe it or not, um, uh, um, audiences alike, so it's pretty spot on uh, both sides, and there's no biases there. And uh, the funny thing is, is when the film came out, everybody was like scratching their head because it's like this is the stupidest name for a film ever. Because what does it have to do with the film? Uh, and it was unfortunate title in the sense that it probably scared a lot of folks away. Uh, the soundtrack uh, is is pretty pretty uh, solid with a bunch of great songs uh, and whatnot. So uh, that's pretty much. Uh, the fallback, uh, backstory, et cetera, of the, of the film. And I guess we can get into our, oh, who picked the Patreon? Uh, this was Sean Fox, uh, by the way, Canadian. Uh, so we'll forgive him for that. Uh, <laughs> so let's go around and uh, discuss uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about well, it. I'd like to point out Sean Fox can be heard on some of our other podcasts. Indeed. Well, he was going to join us, but uh, he's actually uh, at conventions. He's, he's uh, him and his... Uh, he, he he works for a friend of his and uh, man's tables at a bunch of conventions and they're doing like a two weeks worth of conventions uh, this week, like three hours from his house. So uh, he's on the road, so he could not join us. Um, but yes, he's been on many of our podcasts and we'll probably mention uh, one of them or actually two of them uh, when we do the house cleaning at the end of the podcast. Um, all right. So let's get into uh, how we heard about this film and what we thought about it. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, I actually heard about this film through Roger Ebert, um, uh, so his reviews and whatnot, and uh, the title I thought was was like, what the heck, but he said it was a, a thriller type of heist movie, gangsters, uh, you know, English or, or UK, I should say, because uh, Ike, the character H or whatever his name is, um, the actor is actually Scottish, uh, so um, 
I decided to see it because he, he raved about this film. And uh, um, so I saw it years ago, bought it on DVD, and um, I actually now have a, um, uh, it on Blu-ray, too, through uh, that company. I forget what it's called. Uh, I don't know. They, they do like – it's similar to Criterion. Uh, but um, for me, this film was absolutely phenomenal. This is like one of my favorite films uh, in the last like 20 years. Um, well, actually, it's longer than 20 years now. It's pretty sick. Uh, 30 years, I'll say. Um, this would be a film that I would have chose for cinema a la carte if it hadn't been put on um, – Patreon picks. Um, I love um, gangster type films with sociopaths. I like films with sociopaths, and this has two of them, really good ones, like insane, like like Anton Chigurh, uh, No Country for Old Men type. Um, so this this is a great film. Uh, this is where I was introduced to a number of actors that I never heard of before, including Ray Winstone and Ian McShane. Uh, so this film was the one that introduced me to them. Uh, it also introduced me to Jonathan, uh, Glazer, the director of this film, uh, birth and, uh, that, um, uh, what the heck's that film with, um, Scarlett Johansson that she was in, uh, under the skin. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so, so, uh, I've always liked this guy. He has a film coming out later this year. Uh, he doesn't do many films. Um, so I don't really know much else to say except uh, if you like dark thrillers, this film is awesome. If you like Pulp Fiction type films, this film is awesome. This is like the best. No hyperbole here. This is this film is fucking the best. All right, let's go with you, Eric. The winner of the Hyper Bowl is Philip Perrin. Uh, <laughs> no, I first heard about this movie back when it came out. Um, I think I saw it on uh, Netflix pre-streaming. I got it on disc from Netflix, I believe. Oh, Eric, Eric, Netflix has just announced a discontinuing discs something. I, I I know that. I was going to talk about it later if we had time for news. Oh, fair enough. Oh. <laughs> so, yeah, and I, I remembered liking the movie. And I'll tell you what, Barrett has been accusing me of being a grumpy old man anytime I say something he doesn't like. Um, oh, that's but, not true. But, but revisiting this movie has has almost convinced me that he's right. Um, <laughs> Dude, you said watching this movie about- again was not the best experience for me. Um, I I found everybody to be obnoxious and annoying. Um, I fucking hated Ben Kingsley's character, I and mean, you're supposed to. So he does an excellent job in that regard. Um, but anytime he was speaking, I just wanted it to stop. Um, I had to have subtitles on cause I couldn't understand what the fuck anybody was saying. <laughs> and you know, I didn't find the heist particularly intriguing either. Um, so yeah, maybe I'm just old now. Uh, but I, 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 this movie didn't do much for me second time around. So this will probably be the last time I see it. You said this about like a history of violence too. Maybe, maybe it's this type of film. My, maybe it's my films, the films you like. I like. I don't know what it is, Eric. You're a grumpy old man. No, it just it, it just didn't do anything. No, I'm just glad Eric said that because I'm going to reiterate what he said. All right, well, let's go view Barrett. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I'm really glad that that's what Eric said about this movie because I was afraid to say anything bad about it because everyone was. Everyone okay. means Phil. Well, <laughs> no, Mike, Mike all, too. All of you last week said it. it great movie and i was oh it's fantastic best but there's a lot of bullying going on in this movie and it drove me insane a a lot of Um, what bullying oh yeah 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 that's a sociopath i understand that but when you've got two sociopaths and one is able to bully the other it's just I don't know. No, 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 no. That he's not. I'm not talking about him. The the sociopaths are are bass. Express his opinion. No, no, no. But he's missed. I didn't mean the lead characters are sociopaths. I'm talking about Logan and Bass. They're the sociopaths. But anyway, continue. They are. He is to a lesser extent. I don't think uh, he's quite the normal person either. But anyway, it it just it drove me insane. Just the constant haranguing of the other characters. Now I think Ben Kingsley. Did a great job. I thought the acting was great in this movie, but the heist is a very small part of this. So the, for a good portion of the movie, it's just you know hard to watch because of the way people are treated. And you know, I can I can handle violence and people getting beat up and shot and everything, but for some reason, verbal abuse for that long just bothered me. So I just couldn't quite get into it. I really do think the acting was great. The story was quite interesting. I really liked, I thought the end was funny. Um, so it's not all bad. I'm just, I somewhat agree with Eric in that it, it definitely either you wanted Ben Kingsley to shut up at certain points. He did a great job, but at some point I just couldn't take it anymore. Oh, all right. Sounds good. Not <laughs> Mike. Yeah, I, I, Oddly enough, never seen this before. Um, oh, wow. Me neither. Me neither, by the way. And, and what's odd is that, you know, it came out at a time when I wasn't doing a horror movie podcast where it felt like uh, that was eating up the vast majority of my viewing time. I was much more likely to go see a movie like this. I remember hearing good things about it. I don't know if I just never had the opportunity to see it. Um. I knew nothing about it. I knew Ben Kingsley was in it, uh, and it was called Sexy Beast, and that was it. So I really went into this blind. I knew nothing about it. Um, uh, I still don't entirely know why it's about Sexy Beast, besides being a little tongue-in-cheek. Uh, but I really like the film. I, I don't think it's a heist film. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's a heist film, with, but, but it's a heist film without the heist. Yeah. Um, it's sort of like uh, No Country for Old Men, where it's all building up to a showdown that you never see. And you do actually see the heist here, but eh, this is like, you know, like the t- typical heist film is something like Ocean's Eleven. And, you know, they'll they'll spend time outlining the heist, explaining the heist and walking you through the heist. And then you watch the heist actually take place and then you can see where everything goes wrong and. Uh, and that's not this. The, the the heist is perfunctory. This is all about the characters. Um, and I, like, really enjoyed the hell out of Ben Kingsley's character. And, yeah, he's an annoying fuck. But I'm like, how many times have we seen... So they... We'll get into the details, but I just think he... Uh, uh, later. And I don't know how much of its direction and writing and performance. But I thought it was just an inspired choice to do a... a I don't know what he was. Henchman... Hitman, whatever, 
uh, enforcer. I just thought it was such a, a weird way to do it, and it's something I'd never seen before, and is, a, to me, a very unique character. Uh, and, and I mean say that in a good way. And I can understand people being annoyed by him, uh, but I I just found him fascinating to watch and funny uh, because he is just so persistent. Um, he's tenacious and annoying, and he's not somebody who's, who's overtly threatening to me because I wasn't in the movie, so why would he threaten me? But... Uh, you know, he's not your Joe Pesci in Goodfellas. Um, and, and it's just a strange performance. And I think everyone gives a good performance here. And it's it, this is really feels more like something like History of Violence or John Wick or Unforgiven, where you have the guy who's was in the oh, business. Unforgiven's another great one. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Now out of the business. And the, yep. and the business has come to bring him back. And the sociopaths in that one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and really, like the whole reason the heist is there is just because it has to be uh, for the story. Um, and that, but it's really not what the story is about. So, like, I think if that you're going, you're going in expecting something along some those lines, something a little more traditional. Uh, yeah, you're you're not going to get it, um, and you're not wrong for for finding it. I, I can certainly understand where people would not click with this film god knows i really did not like uh, under the skin uh and i just can't bring myself to watch birth um i don't know what else he's done oh uh, dude 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 those two films you get to see nicole kidman and, and scarlett oh, johansson god, and i'll, I'll, I'll say i'll say no more i'll say no and more you can find all that i'm sure with the google image search fair enough oh birth's a great film too and and but anyway continue so yeah so i i ended up really liking it um uh, and enjoying it um Oh yeah, this is a, this is a Phil film, and and I, I yeah, this a good choice. Oh, and also say it's 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 ninety minutes, and that helps. Right, absolutely. Uh, it's per- a it's perfect. a get in get out, and uh, I, I'm going to say I I I, I kind of miss those the the number of films yep. like that we're watching that are you know uh, you know the 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 outwaters you know it's like. We took a ninety, uh, maybe an eighty-minute concept and stretched it out to two hours. I do not understand. Hey, Renfield so, was a perfect amount of time. Yeah, Renfield was another one. And we, on, if we get to what we've been watching later, uh, instead of talking about what we've been, what we'll talk about if we get to watching later, I, I'll mention that I thought Renfield was a fun film, and for ninety minutes it was just fine. I didn't need any more time to develop anybody's story. Uh, but this film here, about, this film here, yeah. And then this film here, it's the same thing. I think it was a perfect amount of time. Uh, it kept to the, the it kept its focus on the characters because that's what it's about. It's not about the heist. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and I and I liked it a lot. That, that's me, and I'm, I'll be curious to see exactly why why uh, Eric is being a grumpy old man about this. <laughs> and Barrett too, he's a grumpy old man. I think we've been pretty clear about it, actually. I, I think you guys are heretics. Heretics. Okay, I'll just leave them. No, no, Eric, we we, we love your company. Please stay. The grumpiness is okay. At least until you say you're wiki. <laughs> anyway, there you go. There's, there's your answer right there. Wiki, wiki. All right, here we go. Wiki, wiki. Brutal gangster. <laughs> I said gangster. Oh my god. That's, that's brutal, a Boston state. Brutal gangster. Don Logan recruits quote unquote retired safecracker gal for one last job. But it goes badly for both of them. I think I'm 
out, but they pull me back in. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's, they don't that just sounds... pull him back in. <laughs> they just yank him back in, kicking yeah, and screaming. Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're hooks, fish hooks. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's, that's and, a good yet they don't. Exactly. That's, that's true. Yeah. It's, it weirdly enough, his wife or girlfriend—I I don't remember if they're Russian wife, married. Wife, wife, yeah. wife. star. Yeah, ex uh, She pulls him back in. <laughs> yeah, she yeah. pulls him back in by trying to get him out. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, um, uh, that was a good IMDb uh, for folks who are new to the podcast or our regulars. Uh, what we do here on Dark Discussions podcast, basically, what we do is review films, which we did, and now what we do is critique and dissect. The film. So we talk about everything and anything related to the film, including what the director and screenwriters were trying to say, uh, symbolism, comparisons to other films of this nature. Um, but before we do all that, uh, which at that point we will throw up a spoiler alert. So if you haven't seen the film, which is now horribly, Eric had to rub it in our face by saying it's a 23 year old film or something. It's I'm just stating facts. I'm not rubbing anything in there. I know. Especially not yours, by the way. <laughs> was, that a, was that a shot? Was that a shot? I hope that wasn't a shot, Eric. Me and you are buddy, dude. Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm not rubbing anything in your face. That's all I'm yeah, saying. Fair enough. Fair enough. You, you just depressed me. By... Funny, no, you, what are you rubbing my face? Is beers. He, he, he rubs beers in my face. That's what he does. <laughs> That's what he does. But either way, the I thought that was me. I'm the one who keeps posting bear videos to the. Oh, oh, oh dude, no, I texted to him directly. Yeah, he directed. Oh. Oh, dude, oh, <laughs> at, at least twice a week, at least. Anyway, uh, uh, back to this film here. Uh, so what, what we do here is um, we talk about general stuff before we do throw up the spoiler alert. So we'll talk about maybe heist films. We'll talk about Pulp Fiction films. We'll talk about maybe some of the actors in the films without spoiling anything related to uh, the plot. And then after, uh, doing, uh, that topical, uh, pieces of, of the podcast and we go into the spoiler and we will uh, warn you. So, uh, 23 year old film, if you haven't seen it, you probably should have by now, but if not, you can go see it. It's uh, available wherever, uh, VOD is located. And of course you can get it on disc as well. Um, but again, we'll warn you, uh, when we do throw up the spoiler alert. So uh, we can start about general stuff first. Uh, so let's do that. Um, now, let's start with you, Mike. Uh, I'm curious. Um, uh, I would concur exactly what you said, but let you, I guess, expand on what you said, which is, what do you mean this ain't a heist film? What do you mean? So please it's expand. A film about, it's a film about a character who's dragged into a heist, but the heist isn't what the film is about. Ocean's Eleven is about the heist. It's about got to put the team together all right i'm in right um you got to put the team together you got to get the plan together and it's about watching the heist and the heist come together and that's not what this film is there's there's it's it's there because it has to kind of be there because it's this guy's story but it's about who the character is and what he's going through in terms of uh the, the threat that he's facing from his old uh his old pals shall we say uh, about getting dragged back into this thing he doesn't want to do. He's 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 fine. He's happy. He has enough money now to live. Uh, he's left England because the weather sucks, and he's now in Spain where it's much nicer, and he's got a nice home, 
and he's got a wife he loves dearly, and he's got a boulder trying to crush his head. And, he's got a and he's, uh, good yeah. friends, uh, good friends that he. Uh... He's got good friends. He's he's happy. He doesn't need anything else, and and then suddenly he gets pulled back in because they want to pull a heist and they feel they need him to do the heist. And it's about how he handles it. It's about what he has to deal with, with that. It's not about like, you know, about how he cracks the safe and how they pull off the score of the century. It's about, fuck, how do I get out of this? And then how trying to get out of it just makes things worse. And uh, the the best line, well, oh, that's not true. There's a lot of great lines in this film. But one of the great lines was, um, yeah, this is such an easy job. A monkey could do this. And that's why I thought of you. I thought that was hilarious. Hilarious. <laughs> that was awesome. I thought, uh, I thought your your line uh, would have been uh, that you liked out was, oh, she's all right. Big laugh. Great tits. I thought that was the line that you would have liked. That was a great line, too. That was, and then he goes, he, to be polite, uh, Winstone goes, Yes, yes, she's a she's a pretty she's a uh, pretty woman, yes, or a pretty girl. <laughs> Instead of you know, blatantly coming out and saying, yeah, yeah, she's fine, she has great tits. But but uh, Ray Winstone is class. He's got class. His character got class. Uh, Gal, that's his name in this film. Um, yeah. So uh, basically, uh, without spoiling it a little better, IMDb by Phil. Uh, basically, we have this ex gangster. Uh, who's known for for safe cracking and things of that nature? Um, that has gotten out of the business, collected his money, married his wife, who, uh, as Barrett so mentioned, a ex porn star, but uh, she has also left that life. And they and their friends, uh, uh, another couple from England, uh, both moved to uh, Spain, right near the Gibraltar area. Uh, which is actually English, but the the area like north east of it, I looked it up on the map, and um, they've retired there to live the life, as Mike said, a uh, very happy and enjoyable life. Good restaurants, good food, good weather, good friendships. Uh, they've they've become friends with locals as well, uh, including a, a pool boy who, uh, or not a pool boy, but but just a, a boy that that lives in locale and and. Uh, does errands and things for them and they become friendly with him. So their life is pretty damn good. They're out of that business. They don't have to have any more stress about being arrested and all that crap. You know, now they're clean, legit. Everything's good. And then out of the blue, this guy, Don Logan, who's this gangster back from London, um, calls up their friend, uh, Jackie, who's the, the, the wife of the other couple. Um, and says uh, he's coming over because he needs to talk to Gal, uh, who's the lead character, by, played by Ray Winston, um, because there's a job. Can anybody uh, explain to me why I didn't just call Gal? Because yeah. I, I can tell you right he's now. he's not there for Gal. He, he's, he's there because he, he fucked Jackie, and he's hot for Jackie. And so it was his way to uh, uh, probably see Jackie. As well. yeah, so, like that line where he says, "Like a monkey can do it." Yeah, a <laughs> monkey can do it. That's why I thought of you. Sorry. Yeah, but that that could be so. That's a little bit of trash talk, but it might also be a little right. I mean, that we didn't really need you, but he wanted to see Jackie again, so that's right. 
This gives him an oh, excuse. Okay. Then we're going to have to get into that later because that doesn't make any sense. Well, Jack has a great pair of tits. And he fucked her. And, and I'm quoting the movie. No, that's not my point. My point is, if that's why he's there, why is he so insistent on Gal doing this? Um, because he probably told Teddy Bass that I got a guy for you. We, we can bring back Gal. And once you, you yeah. when you say when you tell yeah. Teddy Bass, you got to do it. Even right. Don Logan, the psycho cluster B motherfucker that he is. Teddy Bass is even more so, but the difference is Teddy Bass ain't insane. He's just a he's just a cluster B. Mike, go ahead. I'm sure it's They're one of those assholes. things where it's, where, it's, where it's competing factors. And yes, he's very much an asshole. Uh, but but you know he, he's a criminal, and it, unlike you know, a lot of movies where well I, that romanticized criminals, they're not exactly doing it here. Although I guess they kind of are romanticizing the retired criminals. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because I think. Personally, I found them likable enough. Oh, they were, they were great. I, I loved the four characters that were in Spain. Yeah, they were, they were fine folk. But anyway, continue, Mike. So, yeah, so I, I have a feeling that might be part of the reason why. Maybe not the only reason why. Uh, he probably he was good at what he did, because given that, you know how he was able to retire, he had to be pretty be pretty decent. But yep. now at this point, time is, time is running out, and they need the guy. So that's, I think, another thing at this point is that it may not have time to get somebody else. Right, right. Yeah, and and, and so, you know, Don Logan, uh, I know a guy that knows a guy that knows a guy, and they set up this this, this preparation, preparation, preparation. I know all the quotes. But anyway, um, I've seen the film too many times, so I don't, you know, similar to three billboards. But either way, um, the thing is, is he has to find a certain He's the guy. John Logan is is brought in by Stan, who is the basically the the secretary for Teddy Bass, who's the the head mobster. And Stan tells Logan, "You need to set up a team for us." So Logan has to pick all the members, and he picks all the members that are local. But then he decides he picks Gal because. Not because Gal is good, which he is good, but it's like Mike said, the real reason was he knows that Jackie, who's um, a friend of Gal that lives down in Spain with, or, you know, next door neighbor, is down there too. And Jackie was this this hot chick, MILF, if you prefer, who Don Logan had an affair with three years earlier. And so this is an opportunity for him to go see Jackie. And so he purposely picks Gal, even though he could have chose non-retired folk, because Gal happens to live next door to Jackie. I pretty, pretty much think that's right, right, Mike? I'm guessing. Um, one of the things I liked about the film, and I will understand if other people don't, is I don't think it lays anything out for you. I think everything is between the lines for the most part. Like um at no point is Gal's life threatened in the film. But you know right. that it's but you know that it is. Yeah, not directly, just in improv. Right. You never, you know, this is not you know, like I said, traditional mob film where you said, you know what, you know, you can't say no, you know, you gotta come do this. You know, you you're just well aware that I, I I got him an offer that he can't refuse. Right. 
Yeah, there's none of that. There's none of that. It's but but you understand just from the way that they respond uh, when they're talking about him. Oh, the moment the moment they say, and, and you know who who set it up, Teddy. Oh, Teddy Bass. And then that's when you know it's like, okay, okay. This, this, the, you know, yeah. But continue, Mike. I apologize. No, that's it. But so they set it up so that you know from the, their response, right? Here's these guys having a, a nonchalant kind of life and just mentioning the name of, of, uh, uh, of Don is enough to sort of give them this pall of dread. And you're expecting you know, the specter of death to come walking off, uh, off the plane and into their lives. But, but that's, but then when you meet them, it's Ben Kingsley being this very, uh, I don't know how to describe him. I mean, cross the beam motherfucker. That's all I can. No, think. but you don't know. You don't get that the first time you see him. He's right. Insane, kind of bombastic. He, well, you know, he's a dink because, because they go, uh, uh, how was the flight? Yeah, yeah. it's all right. Uh, how's your brother doing? Has that been okay? And he goes, he goes, I don't know. You have to ask him. You know, I mean, he's it, definitely it, a narcissist. He's little, yeah, he's a little off. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Cluster yeah, B. that's it. He's Cluster off, B. but he's not. Cluster B is NP uh, narcissistic personality disorder. It's not just sociopath, yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's one of my favorite scenes. Not... One of my favorite scenes in this with him is when he's working himself up by himself. Oh, and he's yes. talking to himself. It's probably the best scene in the movie. He's just in that room talking to himself and getting worked up. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hilarious. Get up, you fucker. <laughs> and he kicks him in the head. No, but Mike, you're right. He's not when I say cost to be he's not he's not necessarily a sociopath. But Barrett, I think, just pinned it perfectly. Do you know, you get that donkey tail and you put it on the the, the, the poster. That is what he is. Narcissistic personality disorder perfectly. I think that's right, Barrett. And that's a cluster B, dude. Cluster B is not. Is Say cluster B one more time, motherfucker. I won't. Do they do it, speak but, English <laughs> in your world. But 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 there there is there, there. That's one of the four. That's one of the four of the thing I won't say again for Eric's because I don't want Eric to flip out. Anyway, because this my, is what he does. But see, that's what he does not do. Right? He doesn't do say cluster B one more time. You know, he doesn't do. Uh, you, you know, you're going to do it or something unfortunate is going to happen to your family. He just say yes. I'm not going to say yeah, yes. Right. Say yes. Yeah, he's right, like the, right. he's the annoying persistent child yep. um, who just will not shut up. Please, yep. please, 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 please. Can I, can I, can I, can I, can I do yeah, it? And that's why I could stand the first hour of this movie. And I and I I'll get that I understand that I just I found it personally funny uh, awesome uh, and, and again different because it's so against what you would think now and because he's Ben Kingsley who I think most people should know who he is uh, yeah. now he's obviously Never much heard of older him. now <laughs> than he is he's twenty something years older now than he was then but he was still kind still of on the old side insane <laughs> yeah sure then, does but he's also a not a big guy. He's a small man. So this is not a guy who's like intimidating by his physical presence. No, it's a sociopath. Again, it's or whatever. Because of the way they respond to his name being mentioned earlier right. in the film, that there's any real menace to him. And if you excise that, I think if you just showed somebody a clip of this guy in the movie, 
out of context, they may not get that there's anything threatening or menacing there. Um, not until near but, the end, anyway. At the near the end, you can. See oh yeah, it. I think yeah, near the end, more absolutely. But certainly not. You know, you have the thing like, uh, you know, here's the money. Go, no, I'm do dinner on me. And but he also insists, right? And insists, insists, dinner's on me. Um, they're like, okay, Don, thank you. No, especially um, for, yeah, H. I mean, he that guy is like fucking piss his pants for, for, against Logan, you know. But anyway, continue. Yeah, so it, it's it's just the way he does it, and I can't personally like really uh, duplicate it. I think it's a brilliant performance and and a, a brilliant role that he does. Perfect. It's a perfect marriage of the actor and, and the part. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure other people could have done it. I don't know if anyone could have done it as as well or as memorably. Um, and you know, Kingsley certainly always gives a good performance. I don't think I've ever seen him do anything bad. Uh, no, he, no, he's he's always been good. Yeah. Yeah, but that, that to me, this to me personally, this puts him is a role that goes up there. Well, you he know, was a no, he was nominated for Academy Award, right, where it's like that role of a lifetime, and he's had at least two now. Um, oh yeah, I, I totally understand why people might find it annoying because that's the way he chooses to do it. But it's just so. Well, it's out supposed of- to be annoying. He did a great job. Yeah, but that doesn't right. make me enjoy the experience. Oh, I, <laughs> I get it. I, I've had that conversation about other actors and their their choices. Uh, I, I just I wasn't bothered by it. Um, I was enjoying oh, watching him awesome. annoy somebody else. He was not annoying me, and since he was not annoying me, I was fine with him being annoying. <laughs> I was just praying for his death. <laughs> Good news I just think I think after. it was too long. There was too much of it. Oh, that, not that's, where, that's where that's where it got. Oh, continue, Brad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just think it got too too much for me. After oh, a while, see, for, I just couldn't handle it anymore. See, for me, sociopaths are, are cost to be motherfuckers. Sorry, Barrett. I mean, uh, Eric. This is what I watch film for. And so this he could have gone on for hours, and I, I would have been enthralled. Because it, it those people with that behavioral health issue, for some reason. Gives you a boner. No, 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 no. It, <laughs> it, it doesn't make sense to me. And and for some reason, I think it's, it's just too much sense to you. It, it's just interesting. It's it's like it's like what the bleep? I, I don't get it. It's it's so I watch these people on and of course, thank God it's only on on fiction because I don't want to see them ever in real life. But there's just something about it that's just weird and it's disturbing and it's interesting and it's entertaining. And, and so I, I don't know. So, so it's not because I'm one of them, Eric, no way. Absolutely not. Those people mm-hmm. are the worst. No, 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 mm-hmm. no, no, no. <laughs> Shut the hell up. You bastard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think it's because I've been burnt by them so many times in my life that that the abuse becomes the abuser. Well, yeah, I've been dude. I've been abused against homosexuals and is going home and and, and is reading like gay porn. I think that's where Phil, <laughs> Phil 
Bill is. No, 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 no. Dude, dude, dude. I've, I've worked for them. I've dated them. I was friends with them. Dude, I, I'm like. Yes, Bill. The problem is everybody else. Well, I, I wrote this on Facebook once. I said, for some reason, I, my person, for whatever, whoever I am, a lot of the people that I have associated with in life have been crushed to be motherfuckers. And so I don't know why. And, and, yeah, and the problem this, is everyone this, else. this woman that, that lives down the street from me says, said something just like you just said, Barrett, which is, I mean, Eric, which is, yeah, you, you should, you should probably check out why you're, you're attracted to those bastards <laughs> because, because, you know, it, because your personality for some reason is attracted to those people. And it, and it's because I think it's because they're so easy to trick. They can trick people and they also, um, can be very friendly. And then when you're sucked in, it's like, Oh fuck. So it, I've all, I've I've read a lot of books on it because of this because it was and I'm talking about since I was a high school kid all the way to today. It's just an interesting thing. It's, and and so I could yeah, I could I could watch a Ben Kingsley or a Ian McShane playing these characters for 4 hours and I'm like this is the greatest entertainment ever. I don't know. I can't explain it. Anyway, I understand when they're just talking but not when they're abusing someone. That's Well, 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 it, but that's the thing. It's, it's like it's just weird. It's it's right. It's I agree, Barrett. It's like why are they doing this? What makes them do this? Are they enjoying it? Are they just dinks, or are they? Bo- is it both? You know. So I, I concur. But when I watch it, it's it's interesting and it's also dark. And as Mike knows, um, I it's like. Job. I dark I like dark thrillers and and this 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 kind of hits all the buttons for me. It's good. It's good. Um so what what did you guys think of the the main character? Uh uh Dove uh which is his name's Gary Dove or or Gal they call him. Um obviously yeah he he's a bad guy in the sense that he was at one time a, a criminal. Um but what do you guys think of him as as a retired Gangster, I guess. He existed. That is true. He does exist, Eric, or at least in, in this fictional world. But that doesn't answer my question. That's what I thought. Okay, so Eric was indifferent. Uh, what about anybody else here? Barrett, what did you think of him? I liked his character. Um, I thought he was genuinely trying to not be in the business anymore, which a lot of times you see uh, those types of characters reluctant, but eager to get back in you know they seem reluctant but then they're in and they're like loving it he didn't like any part of it um he was not into it anymore and he did not want to do this and that was kind of refreshing and you know what's you know what's interesting barrett that you brought that up because the kingsley character don logan he actually says that he goes we don't do it for the money we do it for the thrills and the and the energy and and the you know, and, and, and I think Don Logan doesn't know gal as well as he thinks he knows gal, because I think, Oh, absolutely not. (laughs) Right. Because I think you're right. If gal was doing it for the money and now that you got his money, he says, I'm out of this fucking shit. I ain't doing it. Well, and I don't think Don could know anybody else because he only cares about himself because he's a narcissist personality. And he may know him better than we think he'd, but we've known him in a day 
some people change, right? Some people like, you know, eventually that they too, do. Yeah. Fed up with this shit. So maybe he was a thrill seeker before, you know, he talks about how, uh, I, 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 I think this is where the, the sexy beast thing comes from, but I could be completely wrong about that was where he talks about how I, back in the day he was, you know, he could have had all the, all the birds he wanted, right. That he, he was physically fit and, uh, and he's kind of let himself go. And now he's, uh, what do you call him? called him fat alligator. Uh, because he just sits around and lounges in the sun all day. Uh, I didn't and, quite understand the relationship between Don and Gal. Um, cause Don was acting like he was the boss, but Don wasn't the boss. Was he? No, he was more uh, like the messenger, wasn't he? He's, he's like, like you're right. He's not a boss, but he has more power. Than, he's like a Lieutenant, which means he has more power than, than the grunts. And Gal is a grunt. Mm, okay. Except a critical grunt <laughs> that they can't do without. Right, right. Yeah, and 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 the thing is, is that you know you have these. Um, it's basically a hierarchy, right? I mean, it's kind of how it is. You know, you know, like like you have your, your boss, which is Teddy. And then you have Stan, and then you have the lieutenants understand which are like Logan, and then you have the the pe- the, the peons, which is which is Gal, um, and Gal obviously he didn't want nothing to do with it. He made his monies out, but unfortunately, you know, they have a good enough blackmail shit on you that if you you know they could throw you under the bus and get you arrested if if you don't agree to do what they want you to do even if you quote unquote retired um so it, it is kind of a shitty life but i i think the main re- thing about gal was when you have the, the reason he really wanted to get out wasn't because he made his money and all this other stuff the the real reason he wanted to get out and he could get out because he had the money. But the real reason he wanted to get out was because I think it was the stress. When you have people like Don Logan and Teddy Bass that are your bosses and the threat of violence or landing in, like, you know, Joe Pesci would say in Goodfellas, um, uh, Sea Caucus Swamp, your body's buried or in Casino, there's a lot of bodies buried in the desert you know i think that stress is enough to make your life not enjoyable even if you do like the thrill of criminal work like breaking into safes or the money or any other aspect of it that could be positive i feel that the aspect of evil people that control your life where your life could be in a like cement block at the bottom of the ocean is enough to make you say, yeah, I want to get the hell out of here. So I think that is enough to make a criminal that isn't necessarily evil, but does bad things because they're a criminal want to get out of the business more than anything else. I don't know what you guys think. What, what do you think? Do you think, you think the stress of knowing that you could be assassinated just for looking the, at someone the wrong way 
is enough to to make your life horrible no matter if you're you don't have to work an eight to five job that'd be pretty bad yeah that's what i'm thinking you know because i mean good the goodfellas was a really good example of that because they showed a lot of folks where and i know you haven't seen that movie eric yeah but but just keep talking about it well i i i just this is an analogy basically you i don't know you're you're just yeah you just don't know when you're gonna get whacked and once you're out of the life you're not going to get whacked because you 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 know out of mind out of sight right or out of sight out of mind whatever and and so i don't know it, i i feel that the positives that they get which is the money and the ability to not work a, a shit job like the rest of us here on this podcast do because we're not independently wealthy so we have to work a regular job isn't worth the stress of knowing that you could be whacked it just kind of sucks and i think that's what gal's point is and i think that's what the story is about mike when you're saying this isn't really a heist film it's not even really a logan or teddy bass film it's specifically a gal story which is a character study on on him what do you think mike Am I wrong? Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think you make a good point about that lifestyle. Like, look, I think there's some people who are, you know, just, just, God, fuck me for saying it, sociopaths. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can say cluster B. Uh, where they don't care. Uh, I'll think of, uh, oh, what the fuck was the character's name? Well, Paulie Walnuts, right, from The Sopranos. Um, that just doesn't seem to give a shit about the life that they're in, right? He doesn't, he's not really bothered by it. Um, but I think other people, yeah, that, that it, it does end up affecting them and it's like they're in it and they're in it for what it's certain, but after a while, there's just so much of the shit they can deal with. There's only so much of, of watching friends die or go to jail or, or always constantly having to look over your shoulder and it, it doesn't affect others. Have you ever seen the wire, Phil? I have not watched that. But I heard it's very good. It's HBO, right? Yeah. Yeah, so in The Wire, you you get, like, several stories, and one of the stories is about a cluster of, uh, not a bee, of <laughs> several young men uh, in the drug trade uh, and and how they, they react differently. And, you know, they're all wannabes, and, but one of them is, uh, like, starting to get tired of it. He's like trying to find a different way. He's like, he's, he's, he's doing it because he it's expected. It's like his family trade. And, uh, it's, and it's a big point in the series is, you know, what, what ends up happening to him because he just decides he doesn't want to do it anymore. Um, and it's because he's tired of dealing with psychopaths and sociopaths and watching, people, worst. watching friends disappear because they, they shorted the count too many times. Um, so, uh, and that, that's, and that's a big part of that that tale, uh, and I think that's that's a that's a good thing. If you have a conscience to any degree, you might be able to be fine. You can justify, and I'd be willing to bet there's more than a handful of people uh, who listen to the podcast will justify stealing a shitload of money from people who are already wealthy, um, and that's one thing. Um, but it's 
when you're it's very different when it's you're looking over your shoulder whether it's and it's it's, it's to be looking over your shoulder because of the cop or the other team as opposed to looking over your shoulder the people you work with right you never know when you're going to walk into the restaurant and knock them out again uh because and you can't say like you know you never know if somebody's going to think you said something when you didn't uh, there's all sorts of stuff so yeah I, I think that's a really good point um and that may be something i think it's also just he found a woman he, he really and i think this is where the where he really uh sells the performance is he finds a woman that i believe he loves uh i think that's a very genuine love for her i think he really likes this kid um, I think he's very happy in the life that he has. Uh, I, I just walk. I mean, a boulder almost falls on his head, and he's fine with it in a weird way, right? You know, okay, he's not happy that he has to um, has to repair his pool, but you know, it's not like it sets him off into a rage. He doesn't blame anybody for it. He's not seeking some revenge for the inconvenience. Actually, you know what, Mike? To bring up that pool thing, and that's the, how the movie starts. Um, and it, play, it has a great song by a punk band group. Um, because, of, because of this movie, I, I downloaded that song years ago. But um, the, the thing is, is that I think that may wait, awaken him even more so. Because obviously, I think he bailed London and that life because of the stress, as I was saying. But I think when the boulder almost takes his head off, it and and it was kind of a funny scene, and no one takes him seriously. But he knows, he knows it was that close that he he literally would have been dead. And I think that you know everybody else is like, ah, oh, yeah, it just happened, whatever. But to him, it's like I think that was like one of those moments in life where you see everything differently and more clearly how life is important and precious. I'm not sure I understand. God damn you, Siri. And, um, I think it humanizes a bit. I know. Seriously. Right. Okay. You're the one that says, shut it off. Bill. Shut it off. Um, so and I'm saying our important thing here. If I you get so mad about it too. Uh, it's, I do, I do. Um, <laughs> she class all the time, and I thought I turned her off. Indeed, but uh, but yeah, I, I think I think that the boulder, the reason that boulder scene, obviously, it plays an important role for what happens later in the film, and and what happens, and we find out at the last scene of the film. But I think it also plays an important part in the character's development and. Uh, understanding him as a character because not only does he see the boulder where it almost takes his life off, not only do we begin to understand the the stress of the life that he probably had prior to his retirement with people like Don Logan and Teddy Bass, but he keeps on having this dream of the rabbit. And obviously if Chrissy was here, she would be able to explain it much better than any of us. Because she really thinks in, in, in this shit up, you know, really deep. But I think it has something to do with his mortality as well. 
and that it was his his luck, and he's beginning to worry that his luck is about to run out, especially when, when, when Donnie Darko come out. What is that again? When did Donnie Darko come out? Donnie Darko is a cult hero, my friend. He is a hero. But uh, let me find out. I'll tell you in a second. Because I have something called the internet. And I have Wikipedia up because I was looking up Sexy Beast. So let's look up Donnie Darko, which is another great film. 2001. So it was a couple of years after this one, which is what crazy because I thought Sexy Beast was younger. Was that? Oh, what the fuck was it with Creepy Rabbits? Yeah, right. Because this rabbit looks just like the one in Donnie Darko. You're absolutely right. Yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, the Johnny Darko shared universe. Yeah, they, the Johnny Darko stole it from this film. Um, and I, I would like to, under, to explain what the rabbit represented and symbolized, and why okay. it's a, why it's a rabbit. Because I, again, they do hunting. Of, it's not really a rabbit. What they're hunting, because based off of the animal that I see on screen when they where they're shooting at, when they go hunting in Spain, it's 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 a um, a hare, not a rabbit, but same principle. And the the rabbit, basically what happens is this guy has dreams a number of times in the film, at least twice, actually three times, where he's having a moment of bliss. And this humanoid version of a rabbit comes up to him with a gun and tries to shoot him in the head. And he wakes up when those dreams happen or he, he blacks out for a second and then he wakes up. And I think the rabbit symbolizes evil because the second time the rabbit appears, this humanoid rabbit in his dreams is when he's eating dinner, a nice steak at a nice restaurant in London. And he sees outside the window, Teddy Bass, who's the, the head gangster pull up in his Porsche and as Teddy Bass is coming into the restaurant, he he starts hallucinating that what he sees coming up to him to sit down at his table is this humanoid rabbit to shoot him in the head. And then he wakes up or he comes out of this vision and it, Teddy Bass sits down in front of him. And Teddy Bass, no matter how insane Donnie Don Logan is Teddy Bass is the definition of pure evil and the thing about Teddy Bass is unlike Don Logan Teddy Bass is not insane like Don Logan Teddy Bass is insane in the sense that he's forgive me Eric cluster B specifically sociopath but he knows everything that's going on he's smart he understands everything he knows what's right and wrong even if he doesn't care because he's a sociopath while don logan is just mentally insane and probably a psychotic never mind a narcissistic personality disorder individual so when he sits down teddy bass sits down and he's been it, it, the great thing about the Teddy Bass character, which is played by Ian McShane, is that he finds a weakness and then he scratches it over and over and over 
until he gets the answer he wants. And the thing is, he's not like a cop, which would sit down someone that's weak and just suck them into confessing to something they didn't do. Teddy Bass is smart enough to already know that the person is guilty and he gets them to admit that they're guilty because he is smarter and more intelligent than they will ever be. And his character, even though Don Logan and specifically Ben Kingsley was the one that everybody remembers this film for, it was Ian McShane's character that was the true star of this film because his character is the most threatening and most scary character in the film. And I think if he wasn't as, if he had been more flashy, which he's not because that's what the character is supposed to be. Not flashy. His character would be remembered and not um, Ben Kingsley's character, Don Logan thoughts. Anyone want to speak? I've, I've just taken like two minutes. So comments, opinions, anyone? I think Ian McShane, um, I've know I've seen him in a bunch of things. Um, he was in, in Game of Thrones for one uh, with the, the Hound. Deadwood. One, and Deadwood and... Um, oh, oh uh, that shitty God. show that we watched, American Gods. Yeah, that was terrible. Um, I think he's, he's a great actor and he's a compelling... Oh, he's fucking great. Unbelievable. And he's in John Wick. But he also more or less has... A, he's a character actor. It's, it's, there's not a lot of variation in his performance. It's just a matter of how the character is written. Oh, he was and in I the Hobbit too. He was a he was one of the Hobbits. Was he? Yeah, yeah. He played one of the the mini Hobbits in in the 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 crappy Hobbit films. But anyway, continue. Yeah. Um, but he is just a captivating presence on screen. And I imagine when this oh, came out, he, it was not a familiar one because I don't know. I he really was big in the seventies, believe it or not, in England. He, oh, in the UK, he's huge. In the states, yeah, he's but not. in a real country. Yeah, you're right, right, right. England's in a real country, that's true. Anyway, continue. Uh, but yeah, he, he, there's just something magnetic about his his presence. Mike, I have to interrupt for one second. John Appleby, one of our great listeners, a long-time listener, I was just kidding. You folks are fine over there. Anyway, continue, Mike. Are they? Are they really? Well, you know what I'm saying. Uh, he's, uh, John Appleby, he's a good guy. Anyway, continue. No, so I so I, so I I don't I didn't find his performance knowing him at this point, and he's not a new thing to me, which he might have been new to people uh, back in the day. I didn't find his performance maybe as good as you did um, because it wasn't refreshing and new and different. It was him being him, which is what he always is. He's just was the menacing version of, uh, of the guy that I've seen in John wick. Uh, well, this is the first time I ever saw him. Right. And I think that's, yeah, that's, the and I think like, it's a really effective performance. What he does is really freaking good. Um, he's just, he's got that thing, you know, and they talk about that. The camera just loves somebody with somebody who can just, you know, just recite dialogue out of, um, out of the phone book and you could still just go, wow, man, that's really awesome. How he got through the bees, you know, it's just, um, 
Uh, but I, I still think for me, Kingsley's the one that steals the show. I don't, I don't think it's McShay. But I do like your description, right? He's a guy who knows something is up. But again, this is not like uh, he doesn't torture the guy, he doesn't threaten the guy. He, he never really breaks. Uh, he know, but he knows what happens. And more or less, just at the end of the film, kind of leaves him alone. And and you know that that's that's interesting that you brought that up, Mike, because that's the part of the film that makes the film kind of more interesting than I would think, because it makes Gal's character win when he isn't supposed to win, while Ian McShane's character of Teddy Bass thinks he's won when in fact he didn't. And he had one pulled over him, right? Because Gal is able to survive, got rid of Don Logan unintentionally, and walked away with a lot of money, even if Ian McShane didn't think he he did, right? Well, I don't know how much he got away. I think he's done. I think he's he's got away. The, the earrings, right? Those earrings must have been worth a fortune. Uh, they're probably worth a lot. I don't know how much of a fortune compared to what he was going to get as a percentage. <laughs> I don't think he's going to sell them. I think he's going to give them to his wife. And, and I agree with that, too. Well, he gets out of the life as well. Right? Well, that, I was going to say, that's, where, that's of- how he really won, is that he gets out of the life, and uh, he basically tells him, get out and don't come back. And he's like, cool. <laughs> Which is yeah, he got anyway. life, but 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 he gets his life back too. Mm-hmm. But at the other hand, you know, Teddy wants he wants the money in the safe. He gets it, and sure they lose lose Ben Kingsley, but fuck him. He shows these guys are not <laughs> these are guys. I'm guessing are not very sentimental. Just right. It's like the Dungeons and Dragons uh, DM guide where there's that that picture in the middle of it that says uh, no honor among thieves. Right. I mean. It doesn't matter. As long as I get what I want, who cares about everybody else? Yeah, and I have to imagine if uh, if he killed Don and they fucked up the safe cracking, he was he was you know he he wasn't going home. But right, the right. fact but the fact that they got the safe crack and they got the money and he's getting he's not getting. He's getting what ten dollars out of it, uh, right? And, and also, Teddy Bass kind of gets his thrill too. So not only does he get all the money that he wanted, and he gets rid of the banker, but he also gets to torture Gal's character. So he thinks he's he's got everything that he wanted. Well, Gal walks away saying, I don't give a crap about any of that. I, I, I got my earrings and I got the hell out of here. And I, and I didn't even want to be here in the first place. So big deal if I didn't get the 2 to 3%. And I don't even need that money because for Gal, money isn't everything because he already has enough money. You know, I mean, it's how much, it's like, you know, all the us normal peons who always say, why are they making more money they don't even i mean you already got two million dollars why do you need another five you know what why does that baseball player 
Well, well, yeah, but on a serious note, like it's like why why does does uh, Alex Rodriguez have to sign with uh, the Yankees for two hundred fifty million when he could have just stayed with Seattle? For one hundred fifty million, what's the difference between one fifty and two hundred fifty? There's no difference. Uh, the difference is one hundred. Right, but see, I'm good at math. But gals, <laughs> but 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 gal is looking at it, which is like, like how I just stated, which is what's the difference between one hundred fifty million and two hundred fifty million? I got my one hundred fifty. The answer is still one hundred. I understand, but again, it doesn't matter to gal. Because you already have, if when you have a certain amount of money that you're never going to spend by the time you're dead, it doesn't matter to him. And and so Teddy Bass can think whatever he wants. For Gal, one hundred million or two hundred million doesn't. It, there's no difference because it's the same lifestyle. So he gets out scot free, even if he only got ten dollars out of the deal because of the. You know what Teddy Bass did to him. I'll give you a tenner, and that's it, or ten pounds, I should say, or quid if you prefer. But to Gal, it doesn't matter because he didn't want to do it in the first place, and he already has the quote unquote one hundred million dollars. It didn't matter if he had two hundred million because he still has the same lifestyle, and actually now he's out, and he got rid of Don Logan, the guy that's going to be bothering him. So I, I think he made out big time, and Teddy Bass got tricked without even knowing he got tricked, which is probably well, the best. Well, he wasn't tricked. Yeah. He knew exactly what the fuck was going on. Right. Yeah, but he, he thought he was... You're right. He was torturing Gal while he was in London. But to Gal, the moment he got out of the car, it didn't matter. No, but 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 he did not trick him at all. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, okay, that's fair. He, he he was like, he even said, if I cared about Don at all, <laughs> dot, 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 um, get the right, fuck out would, of my car. <laughs> so he knew exactly what happened. He knew exactly what was going on. And because I'm assuming he also thought Don was super fucking annoying and an asshole. He was like, Wh- whatever, just go. Right, right. Yeah, Don, Don. And that's the thing with with people like Teddy Bass. That's the thing. People are aren't important. Yeah, they're disposable. They're they're yeah, exactly. You know. So and, and I and I think to me, like I what I one of the things I like is you see the 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 wife Dirty D, um, killed on, and. Because she's she's annoyed with him, she's frustrated, and he's just gone gone too far. And you, at the same time, so she kills him, thinking she to end this. And you see, uh, Gal's immediate response is realization that if she didn't end it, she just made it worse. And now she he has to go. He immediately runs into the house, mm-hmm. starts packing up because now the only way to save his wife is to do the job because if if he doesn't do the job, uh, they're going to put together that Don disappears and you refuse to do the job. You did something. Well, and you know, so the only thing choice he has right now is to play along and make it seem like Don came and did his job. He did a good job. He, he, He recruited him as he was supposed to do. 
And uh, and then oh, I don't know what happened after that. And they have no reason to necessarily doubt it because he's there. He does the job, and he gets them the money. Right. I think I think Gal's mistake was a spur of the moment mistake, which was he goes, yeah, yeah, he called me from Heathrow. If he didn't say that, if he just said that I, Gal got on the plane, that's the last time I saw him. I just assume he's back here. I don't think I don't think Teddy Bass would have figured it out because what happened was Gal gets on the plane, then freaks out, gets off the plane in one of the best scenes of the film. And then he comes back and that's when they have to do what they do to Gal. I mean, do to what they do to uh, Don Logan. If he had just said that he got on the plane they would have found out, which they did. Teddy found out that he got kicked off the plane. And then it wouldn't have mattered what happened after that because Gal had, would have already said to him, he goes, yeah, I saw him get on the plane. That's the last time I ever saw him. But the moment he said I talked to him on the phone, that was that was his, his deadly mistake. And that's when, when Teddy Bass had him dead to rights. So... It kind of. I mean, at the same time, why would he know where he actually went? Well, he could have said, I drove him to the airport, right? Because, again... <coughs> I would just say, I assumed, I, yeah, I dropped him. He didn't go to Heathrow. He, he, or, or he could have just said the, the fact, which is he got on an Uber or a taxi or whatever you want to call it, and went to the airport, and that's the last time I saw him. I haven't, and I haven't talked to him or seen him since. And if he said that, I think he, he would. Teddy wouldn't have figured out what happened. No, maybe. Am I right to think that, Mike? Well, I don't know. I said this is 1999. We're not in the age of cell phones and tracking people. And he had no reason to know where the fuck Don necessarily was. So maybe he was at Heathrow. I think the fact that he said he called me from Heathrow, because who knows where Don could have been when he called him. And he just assumed he was from Heathrow. Just said, what he called me. No, that was it. Um I, I don't know. I think that kind of thing, yeah, it certainly made him suspicious, but I think it could, could technically maybe the fact that it's not a perfect story and it's not all worked out and ironed out, I think that could potentially almost be exonerating too. But maybe that's me. Well, and that's the thing is is when he's the, – the thing that caught him in the lie was when he, he they said to him, well, he never was at Heathrow. He never left Spain. And that was like, ooh. I fucked up by saying, meaning uh, Gal, by saying, ah, oh, shoot, he called me from Heathrow. And he tried to get out of it later. He goes, well, I don't know where he called me from then, but he called me. And that was like, that was the thing that, that got him caught in the lie. You know, it's, it's better to say less than make up shit. And and he, he decided to make up shit to try to protect oh, himself. I get it. I'm just saying, I, I honestly yeah. don't think it's a big deal because I don't think, how would he know? Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, how would but, he know what the, yeah where he's calling from, he would just say, well, I assumed it was from Heathrow. Sure, sure, sure. Right, right. Yeah. And, and the problem was, is that he was just weak enough to be scared of Teddy Bass to the point where he just had to basically admit it without actually saying it. If he was a stronger guy, he goes, he could have go, dude, I'm telling you the truth, man. I, he called me and that's it. I don't, I, yeah, whatever. I don't know why he called me, I, you know, but, but he, he's, he's not that personality. He's a more laid back type of. Well, I also think it was a smarter way to go. I think if he had gone 
the way you're suggesting, he would be dead. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been disrespectful. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. But again, though, I don't think that he figured out why. Yeah, that's true, right? Because he doesn't even know that Don Logan got on the plane in the first place and was kicked off. He just knows that Don Logan got in a cab. So that cab could have gone anywhere. I mean, it could have gone right to the airport, dropped him off. He didn't even walk into the airport. He didn't even get in the plane. And he just decided to get back in the cab and come back to the house. So you're right. So you don't, you don't know. He doesn't know what, what we know. We know more than him. So he had to figure out what to do as best he could. And his best, best, I guess, hand to play was to, as you said, Mike, fly over, do the job because, you know, his wife, Dee Dee, unfortunately put him in that situation to do so. And then just deny everything. What do you mean, unfortunately? She's a fucking hero. Well, oh, I'm not. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I concur. I concur. But. But Mike had a point, too, which is it unfortunately caused the situation to get worse. Even if she's a hero, it caused the situation to get worse where now he had to go, even if her intention was to just end it. Look, if, you're, if, you, if you're not in the business and you marry someone who's in the business, stay the fuck out of the business because you don't know what you're doing. And all she did with, by trying to help out was, yeah, put put all their lives in jeopardy. Right, right. Because the moment Don Logan is dead is the moment that everybody's life's in jeopardy, all four of them. Uh, uh, H, Jackie, Dee Dee, and Gal. So what do you do? It's like, okay, we have to clean this mess up, so let's get rid of the bodies. Yeah, but H joined in too. Yes. No, no, and that's true. But they all did. Yeah, they, they all. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Jackie was kicking his head in and then, then H took the TV and cracked it over his head. But actually, H was probably the one that finally killed him, even though he was already mortally wounded anyway. But either way, the moment he dies. What do you do? And it's, you, you know, you, you can't you have to do something to cover up the, the mess because first of all, you got the local authorities, but never mind that you got Teddy Bass and Teddy Bass, as we discovered in this film is a guy that won't stop for anything. I mean, if, he, if he's willing to break into the type of safe that they show in this film, he's willing to do anything. And so that's why gal says, okay, I got, I got to, I mean, we don't see it, but we, we, we can, it's implied. He had to tell DDH and Jackie goes, yeah, I got to go. I got, I got, I got to pretend that nothing happened and we don't know what, where Don Logan is. It's a tough situation. It sucks. But you know, when you, when you join that life, it's it, the Godfather three, no matter what you thought of it, you think you're out, they pull you back in. There's nothing you can do about it. Kind of sucks. Yeah. I just, I, I don't enjoy that whole narrative. I'm not, you clearly glorify gangster movies. I'm just not into them. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't honestly, I, I love Scorsese gangster films. I haven't really been a fan, and, and a Coppola too, for sure. And that's it. 
this film here was more like a Pulp Fiction film to me than I disagree. I think Pulp Fiction is a much, much better movie. I didn't say that. I just said it it was that it came out around the same time where all these films kind of copied the vibe with with the the dialogue and and whatnot that Pulp Fiction had. And I don't think it's that either. Okay, fair enough. I I felt it was. It was kind of. I felt it was, but I could see how you'd think it was a different, most certainly a different type of film than a Pulp Fiction. I Uh, I, I kind of see. I see similarities and I see differences. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean they're both gangster movies, yes, but I I think. Well, it had a very different feel and rhythm. Well, all right, then let's go with Reservoir Dogs. Let's go with Reservoir Dogs if you prefer. Uh, That's closer. Yeah, it, it, well, it doesn't do the story the way that Pulp Fiction did, but what Pulp Fiction did was just kind of take do, do this the dialogue, this postmodern take on the gangster lifestyle. Um, and yeah, do and do like Phil said, this emphasis on dialogue and sort of eccentricity and and doing things from yes, a bit of a different angle. So yeah. yeah, you did get a shit ton of movies like this in the '90s, and yep. Like early 2000s. in a duffel bag and, you know, just uh, things to do in Denver when you're dead. There's all, you just keep going. There's the, a bunch of films, you know, Guy Ritchie films and, and uh, what was it? Yes. Match. Yes. You know, yes. and those were, they're not aping Pulp Fiction, but I think they got greenlit because. The same was, vibe. Yeah. Greenlit. There was, a, there, were, there, was, there was something in it and that it's this, these anti-heroes. Right. Um, in the story and that are, you know, for lack of a better term, uh, they're trying to make kind of cool or, or interesting. Right. And right. That's probably uh, how they managed to For me, the big difference is that it, uh, I liked almost everybody in Pulp Fiction, and I did not like anybody in this movie. Oh, and, and that's perfectly fair. I don't I don't know why you didn't like uh, Gal. I'm guessing. Uh, if, if I'm putting your I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong. I don't know why you didn't like, uh, like Gal. Uh, Gal. I didn't dislike Gal. I just didn't like him. Okay. All right. And, and, you know, that's fair. I mean, not every film is for everybody, even if it's in the similar vein or the similar um, subcategory or genre, if you prefer. But but I, I think Mike is spot on. That's exactly what, what, what I would have said if I could have thought of the words as, as well as Mike did, which is, because of Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs, if you, you want to go a little further back, a lot of films were greenlit that had this eccentric, different, uh, dialogue-heavy type of aspect to them. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with that take. I, I just... Okay. I, I, it didn't work for you. Yeah, I, I, I the comparison with Pulp Fiction doesn't ring true with me. That's all. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, fair enough, but but I I would concur with you, Mike. That that it this film, at least if it the comparison isn't correct, it's the same subgenre. I feel right, and that, I think that's it. I don't think there's a lot of comparison to it. I think stylistically they're very very different. Um, in many ways, other than the fact, you know, even the dialogue. The dialogue here is not the same. It's different, it's unique, but it doesn't have the the sort of dial, I guess, of, of a Tarantino. You can't really do Tarantino dialogue well unless you're Tarantino. 
Um, so yeah, I, but I, I do think it's it falls in that same sub subgenre, and I, I don't know that I would uh, say that. And I think that's why it got made. And I don't think I would say uh, somebody who likes Pulp Fiction is guaranteed to like this. But I think it's probably a significant overlap. Probably. I w- yeah, yeah, I would concur with that. Barrett, your thoughts? I haven't heard from you for a little bit. Um, I'm kind of with Eric. I, I don't think it's like Pulp Fiction. Um, but I can see why you would make that comparison. Um, it is a little closer to Reservoir Dogs. A little. Um, they're they're both gangster movies. So, yeah. Again, there's so much of the beginning that is the lead up, which is the whole point of the movie. And I'd, I'd rather see a heist movie. That's just me. Okay, fair enough. And that's not like I don't I. You know, I love good Goodfellas and a lot of those mob movies, but this one just didn't hit the spot for me. Fair enough. Um, let's see what else. Um, what about the soundtrack? That was a great soundtrack, wasn't great, it? Great soundtrack. I also think I thought great editing. Oh my um, god, fantastic! Yeah. And I know I, I was weirdly enough just having this conversation with a student, um, which is the the question of whether or not the editing should call attention to itself. And, and I think, generally speaking, yeah, it, 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 the editing probably shouldn't call attention to itself. But there are times when it just what depends. Yeah, and it very much depends on the movie. You know, and the, the example that was always trotted out for years at the Oscars was the the chase scene in French Connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a thing where, the, yeah, the editing was obvious, but it was obvious, and it, and yet it didn't pull you out of the film. You know, it, you were immersed into this this uh, chase sequence through New York City. Um, well, it's interesting that good editing can call attention to itself, and it can also not call attention to itself. Like uh, Jaws, for instance, uh, won an Oscar for for editing, but you don't watch Jaws thinking, "Holy shit, what editing!" You think you watch Jaws thinking, holy shit, shark. <laughs> but yeah. The editor know how to make you say, holy shit, shark. Yeah, that's it. And, it, and sometimes like a movie like JFK, right? JFK, the editing was absolutely essential because you basically have a movie of people talking. And you have to find a way to make that interesting for three hours. So you're intercutting it with archival footage and with pictures of documents and, and photographs and what have you um, to keep the, to get a sense of action and pacing in a movie where there is no real action going on. Mm-hmm. And so that, that was another film where I think the editing drew attention to itself, but it, it, it kind of had to. Um, and I think here they do a really good job of that editing, uh, especially early in the film, I think. But um but even actually in the end, right, when they're doing the heist, because they're basically there, to, you, you figure out what the hell that is going on with the heist, which is, you know, the, the, I, know I did love the shot of Ian McShay walking down the street and, the, and just them pausing the film as the, the, the light, the bathhouse light lights up, right, just to communicate to you that that's how they're getting into the, the vault. Uh, I thought that was a clever shot. Um but you know where, where you're seeing the um, 
I'm so sorry. My brain's farting. Um, <laughs> but you're seeing them kind of intercutting the different things going on with the heist. You know, so that you see the heist play out, but it's sort of as a side thing to the other action that's going on and the other story elements that are going on. And I kind of like the way that played out. But again, I understand if what you're there is the heist, why that might not appeal to you. I wasn't there particularly for the heist um, because I had no idea what this movie was going to be about. But once I got through with the movie, I would have preferred to be there for the heist rather than the uh, verbal abuse through the first hour. I I didn't get a whole, I mean, the the abuse thing, I I, I feel like I've certainly seen worse abuse in movies. Um. That's because the way he talks makes it doesn't makes it sound like he's not being as abusive as he is. Yeah. Well, I, I, oh. I, like like no Ben Kingsley is a good actor and his character is supposed to be a fucking prick and he totally conveys that he's a fucking prick and he's a fucking prick and I don't want him to talk and he keeps on talking and I fucking hate <laughs> hearing him talk and he keeps on talking. So when he dies, oh, no, but I, I'm I, over here. My, I'm just talking about the bullying part of it. It's like, that just doesn't bother me. You're, you're, you're watching a movie like this. You're going to be dealing with fucking assholes. Right. It's beyond yeah. that. To me, it's Generally beyond. don't just, like watching movies like this. Well, it, it's, there's so much time dedicated to his being an asshole. Yes, it's it is overwhelming. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind well, of with Mike seeing with assholes. They can be greatly played, used in the right amount and doses, peppered well. But this is like the full meal is. <laughs> well, all... well, the point, the point of the character was do the job, or or there's going to be problems. I understand you know? the point of the character. That doesn't make it an enjoyable film to watch. I don't want to watch someone taking a shit and it was like nails either. on a chalkboard. Yeah. Well, that's just, yeah, that's, I didn't find the bullying aspect of it. And I've certainly seen plenty of, we all have, I'm sure, a number, a lot of films where, where there's characters who are bullied. I just didn't feel it. Like, I wouldn't have described this as bullying behavior in the same way. Um, right, right. And I just didn't get that feel. And I understand the character being annoying, but I think the character being annoying is different from saying I didn't like the bullying. They're both true. The only difference is that we typically think of bullying in a teenage setting, and this is a full-grown man. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've seen it with full-grown men too. But yeah, it's. uh, But 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 this is the type of uh, stuff you would you would, for me at least, at least for me, it felt real because here's a guy that's a lieutenant, basically doesn't want to kill his underling, but the type of person he is, which is he's a bully. Where, like Mike mentioned, he's not a big guy, or you, Eric, mentioned he wasn't a big guy, but he has a big personality because people fear him because he's the type of guy that would just shoot you and put you in in a, the bottom of the ocean. So I, I don't think me and Barrett are, are questioning the intent of the movie. We just didn't like it. Okay, right. fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I didn't, I'm not <laughs> That's saying all. that. We didn't like you know, it. I, it's okay to not like it. Yeah, and I didn't hate it. I just would have liked to see less of that part and more of the heist. Right. But again, I think Mike's point, too, which is it really isn't a heist film, but I see your point, too, Barrett, which is what interested you more. He's saying he wishes it was a heist film. That's right. Right, 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 right. right. With Ben Kingsley still doing his 
chewing of scenery, I liked. It just didn't. It, it was right. so much about that that it just didn't work for me. It yeah, it, it was more of a, a character study, more yeah. for for the the gal character, and uh, yeah, and uh, I see what you're saying. Um, now, now the thing is, is that I read one one thing was is that people said the same thing as you, Eric, and you, Barrett, which is it was just a Ben Kingsley saying the f word every other sentence, and so it was too much. Well, I and love then, the f word. Preach on with the F word. It's yeah. just seeing those people with their downcast eyes, and he's just berating them throughout that right. whole period. Of well, time. And, and, but but we know why, right? I mean, obviously, again, it doesn't explain because he's cluster B. It doesn't explain. <laughs> it doesn't explain the fact that sociopath. It's not it cluster B sociopath. Jesus Christ! It, it doesn't explain the fact that it's too much. So I get you there, Barrett. But. Okay. But it does explain the point, which is he's trying to set up this heist because of Teddy Bass and Stan, and he's got to get the guy he said he was going to get. And if he doesn't, he's going to either do violence on the guy or he's going to go back and look like a dink or, or a loser or a failure. And again, that's how it probably would work in real life. But for you specifically, Barrett, it was just narratively. Yeah. Narratively, it was too much. Yeah. Yeah. Like I liked, I really liked Ben Kingsley's character and I liked how he was treating the other people, not from the perspective of it was a good thing, just the way it was acted out and everything. This was too much for me. But then when we got near the end, seeing Ian McShane shoot that guy, and you feel that threat to him. And, you know, after this big heist where they have to get out of the water in time or the electrical off, right. Um, just all that I felt was more tense and oh, yeah. worked better for me than the whole beginning of the film. So, and then seeing her with the earrings on at the end, I thought that was classic, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I concur. I could see how for me, the whole thing worked, the whole film worked completely that the fear, but you're right. The second half and the Ian McShane threat over the Don Logan threat. I could see how that that could be more appealing as as a feature film than than the first half, and that's well. Fair. And think about Goodfellas. Like Joe Pesci is you know pretty prominent, mm-hmm. but you've got Ray Liotta bringing on the humor, and there right. there's a foil there. There's no foil here against Ben Kingsley's Kingsley's character. Also, also um, Pesci's character. Not only is there a foil, but and again, I'm not downplaying this film because I still love this film anyway. But not only is there a foil to Joe Pesci, or unlike in this film here with Don Logan, the Pesci character also is eliminated halfway through the film in Goodfellas. So, right. so you don't have to worry about that anymore anyway. To right. be right. Over, it's also like it's a different kind of character, right? So that you got well, he's not a made man, uh, as they emphasized multiple times through that film. Um, <laughs> Yeah, right. He's still a guy who's in the game. He's a guy who, who you know, would be perfectly willing to do what's, what's necessary if, if to, to protect himself. Um, and I, I eventually does. Uh, but in this case, he's, he's not that kind of guy. He's a meek guy at the moment. Uh, he's a, he's a guy who's trying hard to not get involved. He's trying to be humble. Uh, and 
is he's trying to walk the earth uh, as in Pulp Fiction, uh, and and yet you know he, he's trying to find a way to just get this crazy man out of his life. He just all he wants to do is say no, and it's like I've got to turn you down. Oh, you've got to turn it. Yes, um, yes, 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 yes. Just will not take no for an answer, and he bullies him by just being a nagging dick. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to hurt him, he needs him. They he were is definitely probably, tenacious, <laughs> and he's yeah, he is. He's just perfectly tenacious, and uh, well, and, and I thought that was a like a, just a great way to play that kind of a character. I've never, I don't think I've seen a a a, a gangster, a whiny bitchy gangster like mm-hmm. that before, who gets his way by by, by whining people to death. Yeah, Rob. Uh, and I, and and Rob. Yeah, I just thought that was that was that was fun. Um, but it's a thing that it's. Hey, look, it's a win for you. It's a win for me. What do you mean, no? Right. We're all going to come out ahead on this. Yep. Right, because because they're they're again Kingsley's character is thinking it's not just the money. It's it's the it's the all the other th- cool things that the the high the the excitement and whatever. And so he doesn't know Gal as much well as he thought he did. And Gal just wants to be left alone. He, has, he Even if he doesn't like Don Logan, he doesn't want him dead. He just wants him to go away. And 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 so, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely two types of personalities. Um, and, and again, it all comes down to the criminal aspect, which is when you're in it, you know, you're fucked. In a sense, and 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 that's what Gal's learning because of it. Um, now Ebert, he he actually um, his review it pointed out something that I didn't notice, and he loved the film. Uh, but he said the weird thing about the film, and you just got to let it go, is basically they have access to the spa. So if they have access to the spa. Why didn't they drain the pool instead of having to do it in the water? I was like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. Ebert figured out something that I didn't even think about. Because I didn't even think about that when I was watching the film. I just thought it was cool where they're drilling into this safe in a bank. And they have to do it through the spa next door. And And the way to do it at the same ground level is to do it through the spa swimming pool. So you have to drill through the spa spa swimming pool straight across into the bank vault. But it didn't occur to me until Ebert said in his review, and I read it today or or a couple days ago, actually. And he said, why didn't they just drain the pool? And I was like, that's brilliant. He's right. If they, they could have drained the pool and then they wouldn't have had any of that nonsense where they were in bathing suits and wear scuba gear and all this other stuff. Did you think of that, Mike, or, or, or are you like, wow, I didn't think of that either? I don't think about it, but I also think, again, not, the heist isn't all that important. I, I wonder. Yeah, right. right that's sometimes true. things are mistakes, and sometimes things are not mistakes. And because they don't tell us about these things, I don't know why they didn't. And to me, it's more of a problem when a film acknowledges, says, okay, well, 
this is a thing and then ignores the thing that it says is a thing. And they, they, they don't say at any point this is a thing they can do. Uh, they don't say why they have to do it this way, why they don't. So I'm not, I'm not second guessing it. There could be things here. It could be a fuck up. It could be an oversight. Uh, but for all I know, they did their research or their homework and they said, well, this is, it has to be done this particular way. And, uh, this is the only way in which it could be done. And so that's another possibility. And I don't know. So I, I really don't care. I'm not into that kind of a nitpicking, uh, where it was, where we since we don't know the technical details what they were doing and how they were pulling it off why it would be necessary for the pool to be filled yeah yeah fair point fair point yeah and, and to be honest it makes it more of a uh interesting um heist having them do it the way they do it in the film versus just draining the pool so whether it was a mistake or intentional, um, like I said, I, I didn't even notice it until Ebert mentioned it after the fact by reading the review. Uh, what else, Mike, did, did you want to bring up? Uh, where was your finger bit? I'm sorry? No, so uh, I said, where is your finger bit? Just, just in reference to the... Uh... Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah, the Don Logan scene in, in the bar. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> it was a great the film. was the best. Anything um, else, Mike, though? No, I, I, I don't really know that there's much else to say. Uh, like I said, I just think they, they, they did a hell of a job casting, got a lot of charismatic people, and most of whom don't give you a whole lot of, like, internal dialogue to know like who they are as a person. So they have to, so much has to be done in through the performance. Uh, you know, they, they do everything in my, to me, almost a lot of stuff is communicated between the lines. Like I said, so, you know, the, the good example of that being that, um, you know, immediately when, uh, when Don is killed, why, uh, What's his name? Like Gal then decides to go do the job. They don't have to right. explain it to you. Groveland. Uh, your name is Roundtree. Right. Smarties and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, by the way, there you go. Your name is Roundtree, right? right and it cites like Shaft. Uh, there is a, there is a pulp fictionism, right? Is dropping in a pop culture reference. Right. Right. Uh, which was becoming big at the time. Yeah, what was the pop culture reference by saying Roundtree? Uh, Richard Roundtree was the actor. That played Shaft? I believe so. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep. Yep. Yes, he is right. Say it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, there was a lot of cultural references. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. You're the Groveland. You're at lounge. And then he says Smarties and something else. And uh, I sh- like Eric said, you can't understand it unless you have because it's Cockney. Uh, but, oh yeah, I, but, I had to turn this. I did have to turn the subtitles on for this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I did like the goats. <laughs> oh yeah, that was great. And by the way, good example of sound of uh, subtitles fucking up goats. And that's one reason I. I so once again, my wife is hard of hearing. If I'm watching something with her, we have to watch it with subtitles. 
and I understand that. I get that, but I can find it annoying because I try to ignore them as much as possible because subtitles yeah. often just ruin the timing of gags. Sure. And so they stop and they say, what is that? And the subtitle just, just immediately pops up. It's a goat leap. They're a nuisance. They're a nuisance. As opposed to what you actually hear, which is, what the fuck is that? Meh. You know, it's a goat. You know, it's like, so the joke is the hearing the what is that and then hearing the bleat and then him telling you the obvious thing that it's a fucking goat, that he's confused by why is he looking goat. at me? Right. So, um, like I said, that just kind of ruined the ruined the gag. Sure, sure. But, uh, but yeah, I thought that was that was that was cute. It was funny. Uh, I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. Same, same as I, same as I. <laughs> and, and and just for for uh, Don Logan to ask him, why is he looking at me like that? And it's like. Yeah, it made no sense. It's like it just shows you the state of mind of Logan. And and the great part is Gal, he's like just in mass depression because he's like, I don't even want to be here and whatnot. Uh, so it was a great scene. It was a great scene. Uh, let's see. Anything else, Mike? Nope, that's it. All right. Eric, Barrett, what do you got? Yeah, uh, what? Anything what? I don't have anything else. Right. What, what about you, Barry? Uh, Mike? I mean, ugh. Eric, what about you? Anything else? Nope. All right. Sounds good. So uh, before we get into our final thoughts on this film here, we maybe if we have some news or things we've been watching. Um, so uh, let's see. Uh, I'll start. I haven't done that for a while. So um, I have been watching some older films, um, but uh, I won't mention them because they could be cinema a la carte stuff. But I, I have uh, been playing Dead Island 2 a whole lot uh, with my um, youngest daughter, Vivian, because Colette doesn't like scary stuff. But Vivian, my seven-year-old, loves zombie stuff. And um, the game's really, really good. High recommend. Um, it was one of those games that was stuck in limbo for years. Um for whatever reason, you know, they, they fire one group, another group comes in, takes over, they get fired, and the third group comes over and rewrites the whole game, and they start it from scratch and whatever. So the game, 10 years later or 12 years later, whatever it is, uh, the sequel finally comes out, and um, it's really good. If you like uh, horror games, if you like zombie games, a little comedy in it here and there, but it's still scary enough and uh entertaining enough uh stand alone from the comedy the the handful of comedy at moments um so if you like uh action games uh zombie games if you like the original dead island uh this is a, a fantastic follow-up um it's 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 really well done and you get to choose six different characters um i chose the the Asian woman para uh, para Olympian uh, to play, and then my daughter Vivian plays the punk rock girl that uh, so uh, that works at like um, one of those uh, goth clothing stores. Are you and, able to uh, play at the same time? No, no. So we 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 basically what it was is I was playing as the 
the Paralympian. And then my daughter said out of the blue after we played for like a quarter of the game says, I want to play as the, the um, punk rocker. And I said, well, we'll have to start from the beginning. And she hadn't seen me play at the beginning because I had done it a lot of when they were in bed because when they go in bed, that's when I have my free time so I could play. Um, I said, and I was willing to do it. And she said, yeah, let's start over. And so she got to start from the beginning as the punk rocker. So, But you can, Barrett, play with two other people. So if you are on that uh, whatever the, the version Fox is. Live. Yeah, yeah, right. There you go. Thank you. Um, then you can play, you can uh, bring in two other people. So you can play as three of the characters with two other people. Yeah. So it is It is a true um, community game, not just a solo game, if you wanted to play it as a community. Yeah. Um, I'm not on Xbox Live, though. I think you have to pay for that, right? So I never bothered. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. same here. I, don't like I mean, it's only like five bucks a month or twenty bucks a month or whatever the hell it is. But I don't, I don't play enough that I feel feel it was necessary. Um, so, so yeah, so we, we, I just played it alone, and uh, so we played it as two characters so far, and uh, it's really good. It's it's a huge sandbox. Um, the the first part is Beverly Hills, and well, first off, you, you crash in an airplane, you're a survivor, so similar to World War Z, and then from there you land up in Beverly Hills and you go through mansion to mansion to get to this famous actress's house who also survived the crash. What's that? Is it Bill Murray? No, no, it's a woman. It's uh, some Emma. It's fake characters, obviously, Uh, but her name's Emma Johns or Emma Johns. And um, so you, to get to her house after you stay behind to help some other people, you have to go through the uh, mansion to mansion, and um, then you go through streets and, and those weird California alleys that they have out there, where like these streets are really just alleys. It's kind of weird, um, and and so that's pretty cool. So you're jumping through cracking like mansion windows, and you know like the wall to wall, ceiling to floor, uh, glass walls, and then you you know swimming pools bowling alleys inside of these mansions and all this cool stuff. And, um, and it feels real. It's like, Holy shit, this is, this is really these houses. And then, you know, you finally get to her place. And then from there you head off to, um, San Bernardino, um, to a hotel where, where the military is supposedly have a, a base. And then from there you head to, uh, another, the, the Hollywood Hills. And then from there you head to, um, uh, a movie lot. So, you know, like universal studios or something and stuff. And then you head back and stuff. And, and the cool thing is, is even though you don't hit, hit fast travel until like three quarters into the film, I mean, into the game. And I'm, I still haven't even got that far. Backtracking isn't boring because you can go through other, houses or other streets that you haven't gone to and when you do that they have all these huge side adventures as well so the game is massive um and it's about 30 hours i guess only to play so it's not as that long to play but the world is massive enough and there's enough to do especially if you want to do the side adventures um never mind um the 
the the rooms that that have all the the weapons that you can get that after you buy um fuses from traders and stuff so so it's a high recommend but for me i'm enjoying it tremendously mm-hmm. um i was worried that it was going to suck after like the first hour i was like eh, i don't know if this is any good but i'm really into it it's a it's a high recommend um sorry to go on for that long but but it, it was it was horror stuff so it was worth it uh eric what do you got uh i really haven't been watching much of anything uh i've been busy so i've just been putting YouTube on here and then. Uh, but I did want to hit on the Netflix thing. Uh, it came to my attention via the film cast. Uh, David Chen uh, started talking about it. Uh, Netflix is uh, officially shutting down its actual physical disc service, finally. Uh, really? I never heard that. <laughs> uh, well, if you guys don't want me to talk about it, I won't. <laughs> I haven't said anything, Eric. I'm listening. Go ahead. I was just taking a shot at Phil. <laughs> what? Well, how did you take a shot at me? I don't even. I didn't even hear what you said. You're the one who mentioned it earlier. Gotcha. Yes, that's true. Anyway, no, it's just it's it's an interesting moment in time, um, because there's still a lot of movies that you can't find on streaming. Um, so despite the, despite the fact that they probably had many many fewer subscribers than they used to. Uh, for the physical disc service, I don't think it was a useless service. Um, you could probably get some stuff through there that you could find on streaming Netflix or otherwise. Um, so I, I personally just want to encourage people to still invest in physical media. Um, because sometimes you need to in order to see what you want. Not everything is going to be always available on streaming uh, because of rights issues or demand or whatever. Um, so yeah, uh, if you if you really want to find a movie, uh, sometimes you got to find it on a disc. Go to your library or buy it or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't use it. You you stopped using it for a while, Eric. I know, um, but it is still a sad moment. Um, I mean, or, the most movies I've ever watched in my life was definitely during the during the period I had the physical disc service from Netflix, because um, because I had a system, you know, it was three discs at a time, and uh, I just would every other day uh, watch one and send it back. Um, so I would I had this staggered system where I was always watching a movie and I was always getting a new one, um, and and Eric, you did it for the podcast too. Uh, I used to, yeah, when we first started, and and throughout the two thousands, um, I watched hundreds of movies like that. So I, I owe them a debt of gratitude for allowing me access to all those movies I hadn't seen before. It's interesting too because I remember when when we first started this podcast, I remember I was talking to Jason Lloyd. Never mind you folks, and none of us even considered using VOD. I remember Jason Lloyd saying, I'd never use VOD. And I was the same way. I was like, why the hell would I do that? That's stupid. And then, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously. And, and then sure enough, within six years after we started the podcast, Jason Lloyd was, that's all he was doing was watching Shutter or Netflix or whatever. <laughs> and same with, same with us, you know? So it, it's kind of interesting how uh, the times change, you know, it's, uh, things just change so quick nowadays. No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm worried about the future of physical media. Um, yeah, because yeah. all signs are pointing to it going away, and I, I don't want that to happen. Because a, I don't want that to happen, and b, 
um, there's going to be a lot of stuff that won't be available at all. And that's a problem for him. Well, and you know, go on, Mike. I don't know if it's going to go away completely. It's go, but it is very much. I think if it stays, going to be a niche market, and yeah. sort of, it, it, sort of like like vital technically never went away. I don't understand. Like got a whole hipster revival thing going on now. Um, yeah, but, like LP, LPs, right? Uh, but it, for a long time, vinyl was there, but nobody was buying it, and so it was only produced in very small quantities, and it was very expensive. Yep. So I have a feeling that's probably where we're going to be going is it's going to be a niche market or niche market, depending on how you prefer to say it. Uh, and it's going to be kind of a luxury item. And that'll, that'll yeah. find a little disappointing too. Well, and it's kind of scary too, because, uh, you know, I, I, I saw, um, like I, I, my daughter see splash, you know, that movie. And, uh, because it's a fun, you know, movie mermaids, they like all that stuff. And, and oddly in that film, you, you, you know, you see um, uh, Daryl Hannah's butt and, and Boop. even boobs later in the film. And when Disney released the film on their VOD Disney plus st- channel, like a year and a half ago, they came out and, and it was a big news article, how they changed it, where they have Daryl Hannah's hair now long intentionally through CGI to cover up her butt and her boobs later in the film. And, and again, you know, we're only talking less than 20 seconds of the film, but you know, you, you roll your eyes, like what's the big deal? You know what I mean? Well, I'm, and I'm, you I'm, know, and you can't get the original version of star Wars anymore either, which kind of sucks. Yeah. Right. And even, even Steven Spielberg just recently, what, what last week said that he screwed up by changing the guns to walkie talkies in ET and he wish right, he never right. did it, you know? And, and then people are, are, uh, changing books now too right i mean they're, they're doing james bond had had to go through that shit and then um dr seuss and all that stuff and it's like jesus it's like spielberg oh, that's up a last week. Different topic you just went off in the left field there. no 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 because spielberg brought it up spielberg brought it I'm up i'm talking about physical media right and that's books too books are physical media and and now they're oh changing no, no, it, no. Spielberg brought it up specifically. Hey, last you are week. talking about something completely different than I was talking about. I don't You're talking think about censorship has nothing people. to do with what I was talking about. Well, the book thing was the same. It's the same principle. Modern standards. Right. It's a, that's exactly what I'm talking about, Eric. I, I, okay. If you meant something else, I apologize. But but I think Mike understood exactly what I was talking about, which was what Spielberg was talking about last week, which is the changes in books and movies. I was talking be about changed. the availability of physical mo- media and and certain movies. Oh yeah, yeah, and I, I was too. But I was saying that by by them changing it on how they're doing it now, if you don't have the physical media from the past. You lose what? Okay. Okay. What, all right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was just a misunderstanding between me and you. That's all. I don't think it was anything uh, other than that. But, but yeah, yeah. I, I would concur. The, the loss of physical media is unfortunate. Um, I was just looking well, at. And it. there's some stuff out there that, like, particularly some older movies. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of like. Remember when when we first started podcasting? I had to find and send you a copy of Silent Night, Deadly Night on DVD. That's right. Yeah. Because it had been yeah, through a third so party. Right, right. Yeah. 
<laughs> on something wicked this way comes. We can't watch it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's really valuable to have it available. And if there's a movie that you love, try and find a copy of it now to own because <laughs> it may not be around forever. I guess that's really the point I was trying to make. Yeah, and, and that, that's a, a very, very, very good point. Very, very fair point. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's unfortunate, too, um, uh, because uh, one of the great things about physical media was we were having these these no name companies like something wicked, uh, something weird and red code red and scorpion. And then the, the bigger ones that that like Screen Factory and whatever that are releasing all these. Yeah, or Arrow, exactly. That are releasing these these obscure films that no one has on VOD anywhere. And, mm-hmm. and I was snagging them up big time because like, oh yeah, I gotta get that. No, film. I tell you what, I was I was pissed about paying fifty bucks for the Kindred, but I'm glad I did it because now yeah. I got it and it ain't going anywhere. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and the one problem, I, I mean, I gotta admit, I'm guilty because, for example, I like I said, I have I have sexy beast on both dvd and somewhere in, in a box in my my utility section of my basement and then i have my blu-ray version of it that i have on my shelf readily available but i still three days ago bought it on apple for 14.99 because then i can watch it on my phone in bed or the tv upstairs that doesn't have the dvd you know or the the blu-ray no, if i love a movie i will buy both of a digital and a physical copy i've yeah, done it more than once Okay, so I don't, thank you. I'm glad you said that. It doesn't make me feel bad that I did that. digital code to redeem. No, that that is often the case, Mike. I, I just sometimes it's not, and I buy a digital copy. Yep. I do the same. Yeah. Yeah, and I do it for convenience too, because you don't need a a, a player, right? You can I can watch mm-hmm. it on my computer when I'm in a hotel room because it's on iTunes because I bought it through iTunes, you know, versus having to carry my my computer and um, my computer Blu-ray because I bought a Blu-ray uh, external Blu-ray drive for my computer. I don't have to carry it with me to the hotel necessarily mm-hmm. if I have if I bought it on VOD. Oh, like well. recently, I purchased Cocaine Bear digitally because I was so impatient to show it to Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had already pre-ordered the disc, so when I got the disc, I sent the digital code to my brother. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep, spreading the cocaine love. Indeed, indeed. Bears, too. Bears. 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 Uh, even my, oh, my God, dude, my nine-year-old even laughed at me for saying bears. She goes, <laughs> she goes, she goes what did you say? I go, bears. She goes, no, it's bears. Said, oh, <laughs> bears. Those are the word. Yeah, even a nine-year-old has corrected me on that. Jesus. It's, like, it's a Boston funny. accent. But but she does understand Boston accent, so she she she. she well, she should by now. That's for sure. Oh yeah, she had nine years of it. She's had to hear it. Um, so yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's that's right. That's got, oh, my wife the other day. I made a for um, uh, our our dinner with our family. Uh, con. It's no, it's corn. It's like, oh, no. I thought you were saying con. Like yeah, convention. Well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's my wife. She she pisses she. Every time I say something that's a Bostonian, she goes, "Say it correctly now." It's like, oh, right, oh she's so. training you. That's good. Well, she's trying. It. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Hey, yeah, hey, hey, I like my Boston accent, even though I don't. Because Siri's not going to do it. Siri just takes whatever he says and just types it. Oh my god, dude! I it's so bad. I, Siri is worthless to me because it can't understand anything I say. 
Sometimes I read your text messages. I'm like, what the fuck was he even trying to say? (laughs) There's got to be if if there was enough Bostonian people. Unfortunately, there's not. But if there was, they could have a market where they could. That's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is that there's too many. Well, that's true too. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people would say that. (laughs) That's fair. That's a fair point. But. There, there should be an option that you could press that for a Boston accent, you know, and then it would understand everything I say. Because there's well, got to be something for the English. English. Yeah. Well, whatever. Fuck. Fuck. I'm of my. <laughs> fuck Apple. Fuck Apple. No. Again, fuck you for not being able to speak English. Well, and, you know what? It's not just I'm Apple. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, uh, Cortana and whatever the Alexa yeah, yeah. Would, would would rip me too. So uh, the hell of them all. That's <laughs> I remember, well, again, the problem is everybody else. Yeah, I remember like ten years ago. So like, like almost like only a couple of years after I met you, you you texted me. I was at a convention and I sent you this this duck picture that someone posted on the wall of a uh, um, uh, text when you something about when you text or you speak into the, your your phone. This is what you get, and you met something else, and it's a picture of a duck, and it's supposed <laughs> to be fuck, you know, right, was, right. Yeah, yeah, bastards. Anyway, um, so yeah, yeah, that was that's an interesting thing about Netflix. So yeah, that that's a big change for the company, um, and it shows you that obviously it was it became unprofitable at that point. That's why they're, they're shutting that section down. Uh, any other news, Eric? You got? No. Um, when they were talking about that on the film cast, uh, nobody on the show knew what Netflix is going to do with all their discs. I am extremely curious as to what that plan is, so I'm keeping an eye out for that because they sell them. I'm going to take a look. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, Eric. You know what's weird is I've ordered discs from Amazon, and when I get them in the mail and I open up the box and the disc I look at, it has Walmart stickers on it. So, <laughs> so that's probably uh, that's probably a reseller. Yeah. It, well, no. It, it, believe it or not, it wasn't. And so, it, in other words, it's hard it's, to sell anymore. A lot of them will often yeah. uh, have the Amazon Prime logo and have Prime shipping available, even though. Oh, it's you're seller. right. Yeah, you're right. Good point. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe that's what Netflix would do: is that they would sell them through Amazon as used or something. Who knows? No idea, but I'm but I'm keeping an eye out for that information. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, all right. So uh, let's go. What's that, Mike? I was just say, there's funny thing in talking about physical media. I was just spending some time cleaning out my office, which desperately needed it. Uh, and I, I had a bunch of old, uh, <laughs> had, like, blank DVDs, and I threw them. I had like, called 911 when he ended up buried under a pile of discs. Yeah, the blank. So, well, see, I, was, I got a bunch of those, too. It was a burner disc, and now they don't even sell computers, for the most part, with disc drives. Right. right. And so I, I, I had to buy the external. I bought the external Blu-ray, which also can burn discs. That, that's that's why right. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Because but you I can. got rid of them just, just for space purposes. And then like two days later, my wife's like, oh, Marlene wants to know, do we have any discs? Marlene wanted me to burn this this, this thing for her. I was like, but, but it's not oh. like you could. It's not like you could because you don't have any burner discs anyway, because they don't come with disk drives anymore. Well, but I have I do have Tell Marlene to get a Dropbox account. <laughs> Yeah, or, or buy her own external hard drive. So who's Marlene? Your your cousin or something? Um, I, it's a, one of my wife's friends. Gotcha. Um, all right, so let's go view Barrett. What do you got? Uh, I think after all that, I got nothing. All right, <laughs> fair enough. No, that's fair. That's fair. We've, uh, we got uh, Mike. What do you got? Yeah, uh, I've actually 
done a lot. Um, I don't remember if I mentioned the 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 series finale for Card Season Three last week, um, which was like two weeks ago, um, and uh, it was pretty good. It's especially good if you're a fan of the Next Generation because it's more or less Next Generation than the eighth season because uh, they bring the entire surviving cast back. Uh, fortunately, all of them are alive except for Diana Moldauer, who played Dr. Pulaski in the second season. Um, and it was certainly the best of the three seasons of Picard. So if the first two seasons were not your cup of tea, it's okay. You can pretty much ignore everything that happened in the first two seasons. Um, and it does do a good job of potentially setting up a, a, a brand new series. Um, but I've spent a bit of time at the movies. Uh, I saw... Uh, I saw Redfield with my wife, um, which I had, had very low expectations for. It was a 90-minute film. I, I enjoyed it. It actually just hit streaming uh, Tuesday, the day after we saw it in theater. So if you want to rent wow. it. That's in drag streaming, too, by the way. I saw it and Wednesday, but, and it was already in streaming. I didn't even realize that we saw yes. it in the theater. <laughs> um, and you know what? It was fun. I, it, it, it wasn't brilliant, but it was fun. I liked it. I actually thought it was weird that it's probably the most menacing Dracula I've seen in years. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, and not, and it's a comedy, you know, so it's not, it's not like legitimately scary, but within the context of it being a comedy, um, he's Nicholas Cage plays Dracula as straight, uh, kind of, um, as a, as a, as a menace, as a predator. And there are, without spoiling anything, direct callbacks, especially at the beginning of the film, to the 1931, I believe, original film with Bela Lugosi. Uh, the only thing I didn't particularly care for uh, is that he wears these, uh, like, London After Midnight vampire teeth. And I think that both hindered the look and kind of hindered the performance. Uh, but that could be just me but i it was fun actually the action for a comedy i thought the action was pretty good there's a lot of ridiculous I, stuff what this because it's the london at what's that the london at midnight I, I was hearing beeping the, yeah me too. uh do you hear me now yeah you were asking uh, about london after midnight yeah what does what does that reference mean so it's a lost lon cheney senior film where he plays. Oh, I know what you're talking about. He plays yeah. he's, got, he's got like just a row of like little tiny shark teeth, um, which I'll get back to in a minute. Uh, and um, so Nicolas Cage's Dracula has these teeth, and it becomes hard to believe anyone thinks he's a normal human being while he constantly has these sharp teeth in his mouth. And it also just, I think, hinders the, the look of the character. But that's That's just me um or could just be me um opinions will will probably vary uh i did go see um uh, i'm sure what eric would appreciate a film called uh because i had the evening free and for some weird ass reason it was in theaters uh was this movie called uh black demon which was a low budget giant shark film oh i saw a blurb about that somewhere it can't be good, right? Well, um, <laughs> here's the thing. It's better than I expected it to be. Which, you know, when you're saying it's better than I expected it to be, it's probably not the greatest sign in the world. 
Um, but yeah, it is it's not better than Deep Blue Sea. That's probably the level I'm looking at cutting off. It is not better than Deep Blue Sea. It's All right, I'll skip it then. <laughs> but it's not. It's not a complete waste of time either. Um, there is competence, I think. There, uh, it is a very, very heavy-handed and eco message and um, environmental message. And there's a lot of things in it that are like, really, does this make sense? These two people, how long have they been sitting on this oil derrick, surrounded by, you know, a giant killer shark? And it's just, you know, it's one of those things you don't want to ask too many questions. Um, but I, I, I enjoyed myself more than I expected. I kind of went hoping it was going to be like a really bad film. And because it, I'm on that AMC plan, I didn't have to pay for the movie ticket. And so I said, if it's just unbearable, I can walk out and I, I have not lost anything other than time. But I stayed to the end. Um, and I will say it's if you want to check it out, uh, please, for the love of God, don't spend any any like money seeing it in theaters. Um, I don't think it's that good. Or if you do, that's that's on you. But when it shows up eventually on Tubi or Shutter or whatever, eh, you know, if you're interested in a Megalodon film, that's also a demon. Uh, yeah, go ahead, whatever. Um, but I did see it, um, and it is not completely atrocious. And then I did see uh, over the weekend uh, Return of the Jedi for its fourth 40th anniversary. It was also back in theaters. And I saw it on a, it was unfortunate, it's not like in an IMAX screen, but I saw it on one of the nicer screens in the area. Uh, and that was, was that like? nice to see. Hmm? What movie was that? Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I saw it actually made the top 10 um, profitable films of the week, as a matter of fact. Yeah, I think I saw it. It said Jedi is in the top five. And they say it's in the top five. It probably means it was number five. That's the Ewok film, right? Yes. Yeah, that was good. I liked it. Yeah, and um, and I enjoyed it. It's a little melancholy because I can remember seeing it in theaters forty years, almost forty years ago, because it came out end of May. Did um, did did they keep the original act in the play, the ghost of Darth Vader, or did they switch? No, it? they did not. No, no, no. Uh-huh. Those versions are never going to be seen again because Lucas is an asshole. Yeah, he's not. Um, like, that's willing to go back. Yes, to where Spielberg is, and this is a place that he and George disagree. Right, uh, Spielberg right. is is not gonna is as relented and and realized it was a mistake to get rid of the guns and George is just continually adding like McClunky to his movies and right it's 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 uh yeah anyhow uh, I if I I don't know if he if he made any other significant changes I missed them right oh uh, uh, yeah yeah uh, he he has the the um. The 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 fish guy, uh, Jaja Binks's land, is part of the celebration at the end, right? And a couple others. Naboo, yeah. There's things like that. So, uh, regardless, um, I, it was enjoyable. But I was saying it's a little melancholy because I can remember seeing it 40 years ago with my father, uh, and you know, we actually yeah. just finally got around to burying him uh, after three years, sure, four sure. years. Sure, so, sure. So it was a little weird. Um, but yeah, it was good. It's fun. I, I still think it's it's problematic, but I by the time I think the final act redeems it greatly. Um, but yeah, so I, that was it. That was that was what I've seen. All right, sounds good. Um, so uh, I guess we can get into our final thoughts on uh, this film here, Sexy Beast. But before we do that, Eric, you actually do another podcast with your buddy Dan. 
I do. It's a general interest podcast called the Scancy Podcast. It's spelled A-S-K-A-N-C-I-T-Y. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. Indeed. And uh, speaking of uh, Sean Fox earlier, which uh, Mike mentioned, uh, has joined us on many podcasts and side podcasts, uh, me, him, uh, actually, that's inappropriate. Let me redo that. Sean Fox, I, Barrett, and Mike uh, did a podcast called uh, The Rise of the Cordyceps Infected, a Last of Us podcast, which was a weekly podcast about the television series Last of Us on HBO, where the four of us discussed um, weekly the the series as it unfolded. So uh, go ahead and uh, listen to that. Uh, Speaking of Sean Fox again, uh, Barrett. Myself, you, Sean Fox, and others are doing another side podcast, and that we're going to be doing some right after um, Mother's Day and the Taylor Swift concert that I'm going to on May 21st in Jot Stadium. Uh, so the end of this month here and early May, I mean early June, uh, we're going to do a couple podcasts on superhero stuff. What's what's that podcast called? Yeah, Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews, um, another catch-all podcast um, where things that don't fit in here or other places go. Um, we're going to be doing the Suicide Squad, uh, the Suicide Squad, just to be, you know, stress that. And then we'll be doing Peacemaker, the yep, show yep, that is based off of it. Indeed, indeed. And that will include myself, you, uh, Mike. It's actually going to also include uh, Kevin Letch, Sean Fox, and... Amy Rain, as a matter of fact, too. So, so we'll have a, a big crowd and a diverse group of folks from various countries and different genders to discuss uh, DC, some DC stuff. And uh, Mike, me, you, and Eric actually do another podcast, and we're actually recording one uh, uh, May 22nd, which is uh, the day after I see Taylor Swift, as a matter of fact. Uh, what's that podcast that we – Oh, nobody cares that you're seeing Taylor Swift. I had to get my Taylor Swift reference in. No, you didn't, actually. It is Cinema a la Carte. It is the podcast that is not the Dark Discussions podcast where we discuss films that are, are, according to Eric and myself, not appropriate for the Dark Discussions podcast. Phil may disagree. Um, And and actually, this this movie here, Sexy Beast, would have been a Cinema a la Carte if it hadn't been. Yeah, it would have been. Yep. Yeah, yep, absolutely. I, I was going to choose it too, because um, it felt similar to the, the other type of films I've, I when enjoy. When would you choose it? Uh, actually, I, you know, I, I immediately took it off my list because I, I knew it was already on uh, our to-do list for this. So uh, I never bothered um, putting it on my list. But it would have probably been uh, right, right after a history of violence. So it would have been my fourth choice. That I think. Yeah. So because it was Starlet, Collateral. A history of violence, and then I would have chose this film, but I didn't have to because I knew eventually it was gonna. We were gonna do an episode on the dark discussion process. Uh, does that answer your question, Mike? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. All right. So uh, that's pretty much uh, the house cleaning there, and uh, I guess we can get into our final thoughts on this film here. So, uh, Eric, why don't you start with you? Um, yeah, uh, I think the acting in this film was fine, but I just didn't care for the story. I didn't find it particularly interesting, and Ben Kingsley's character. Just annoyed the living crap out of me, so I didn't enjoy the first hour of the movie. So, um, this might be a great movie in a lot of people's estimation. I didn't care for it. I probably won't watch it again. All right, sounds good. Uh, Barrett. Yeah, I'm kind of in there with Eric. Um, 
there are a lot of things I liked about this film, but uh, generally it's not my favorite film of all time or anything. Um, it's worth seeing once. I won't see it again, probably. All right, sounds good. Uh, for me, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously a hundred percent, or let me rephrase that, 180 degrees uh, opposite of uh, Barrett and Eric. I've actually seen this film probably 30 times in in the past 24 years or whatever. Best to be. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not quite to be, but but it is definitely eccentric. Um, yeah, I, I love this film. This is like one of my favorite. I don't like saying one of my favorite films of all time, but it's definitely one of my favorite films of the past 30 years that have, have been years. That's another word. My wife always <laughs> risks me. Uh, years. I'll there you go. Yeah, I tried my best. Um, and it is just a, a movie that fits my likes. Um, I, I, I just love the dialogue. I love the acting. I love the story. I love the the evilness of the of the two psychopaths in this film or, or cluster b if you prefer i i love the the lead character and the, the the aspect of what he's trying to do versus his prior life in his new life um it's just a really great film high recommend and um i I'm, was very happy to rewatch it recently i hadn't seen it for about a year and a half and i'm, I'm most certainly will uh, probably watch it again uh, within the next couple of months, if not next week, uh, it's that good. Uh, Mike. Yeah. Uh, I had never seen it before. I certainly knew of it, but I knew nothing about it. Um, I was, I had no idea it was, uh, even a hypothetical heist film. I really liked it. I am a little conflicted. I am sorry that, uh, that, that, uh, that Barrett, you, you, you were annoyed by the Ben Kingsley character, but Eric, I'm very kind of happy that you were annoyed by the Ben Kingsley character. Yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, uh, but no, I can certainly see that. I, uh, and, I, and by the uh, way, I still want to punch Nick Cage in the face too. Okay. And, oh, and and uh, Ted Raimi too. Yeah. <laughs> Can't forget him. Oh, you, oh my God! You must have been dying playing the game, the quartering. Uh, I mean, the, the the what it was it called again? The quarry. Uh, the quarry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because he was in that for for yeah, too much. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, continue, Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah, but I look, I like the film. I don't know if I'm going to watch it again. I certainly would not be adverse to watching again. And uh, as I've said before, already on the podcast, it's it's very beneficial that the movie is only uh, 90 minutes long. So it's not like it's going to be a huge time commitment. Um, it, so it's certainly worth the 30 minutes, at the very least. Uh, and if you have not watched it and you do like crime thrillers, I, I think the, the wiki entry is just completely uh misleading in a, in its own way so because like when you say it, this guy's being threatened by it's like the, the threat is all implied you know it's it, there's this is not like a cape fear kind of thing um so it, it is its own thing i like the way they handled things i thought they handled with a lot of nuance and subtlety which we don't see a lot of especially in crime films so yeah, I thought it was refreshing. I thought it was it was neat. I think it was a, a very different take on the genre, uh, and I appreciate it for that. Indeed, indeed. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, how you said Ian McShane plays that weird character, he, he, he was he was kind of um, a nice guy in Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, that yeah, but, but but other than the fact that he's nice or mean, he's still more or less playing the same kind of character. Yeah, like a Robert De Niro type of thing. 
kind of I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Bad Robert De Niro. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Sounds good. So uh, once again, uh, Sexy Beast, uh, disgustingly, 23 years old now from 2000. Uh, because I, I remember watching it when it first came out, uh, similar to what Mike said about um, Return of the Jedi, which is it's just like heartbreaking in, in many different ways. Um, the film uh, has uh, fantastic reviews from critics and most reviewers alike. Um, the film stars a number of great actors, uh, especially uh, well-known in, in the UK, uh, including Ray Winstone, Ben Kingsley, Ian McShane, Amanda Redman, also uh, Kevin Kendall, rest in peace, uh, Julian White, Alvaro Monje, and James Fox as the banker. Uh, the film um, was directed by uh, Jonathan Glazer, uh, who has an upcoming film uh, coming out later this year called The Zone of Interest. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing that, uh, though I believe it is going to be a foreign language film because it's a British, Polish, American film. And, and it looks like it's a lot of uh, Polish actors in it. So I'm assuming it's going to be in Polish. But either way, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that. It's coming out uh, in May, late May, supposedly at Cannes. But that means who knows when it will come out for the rest of us. Um, so uh, once again, the film's available everywhere. Movies are found. You can get it on disc as well. Uh, as Eric mentioned, the importance of disc, uh, and I know Mike uh, supports that as well. Uh, that may be worth checking out as well. And with all that stated, Eric, why don't you lead us out? All right. Thanks for tuning in. Let's, let's talk about Sexy Beast. Come back next week. We'll have another topic. Listen, gal, I'm going to tell you a little story. I know a bloke who knows a bloke who knows a bloke. Hello. Now, you know this bloke. Do I? This is a bloke you know. Is that Mr. Logan? Who's this? Hello, Mr. Logan. Hello. What you doing? Watching telly. What you watching? Nothing. Is that Stan? Of course it is, you cunt. Stan Higgins wants me to put a team together. Eight men. Strong. Ain't afraid of graft. It's gonna take it all night. Good boys. Gotta be good boys. Reliable. Positive attitude. It's very important. Very important. That's what we're looking for, Tom. Who's behind this stand? Who do you think? Who do you think, girl? I don't know. Who? Who? Teddy. Teddy. Teddy Bass. Mr. Black Magic himself. Teddy Bass.